You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this fine program. Today, I've got Cam Berry with me. Tom Peavy will be joining up a little bit later. TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls today. Certainly appreciate everyone that stepped in, especially Brooks Childress, over the last couple of days for me. As uh, the reports were true, I was in Tampa, Florida the last couple of days, spending some time out there, went to the Bucks game Monday night, and I'm g- glad to be back here this afternoon with everyone uh, to give thoughts on Auburn, Texas A&M, of which there's still plenty as we also transition into the Auburn and Georgia game. So I want to, again, appreciate Brooks Childress for that and uh, for stepping in the last couple of days. You will hear him still on this radio station coming up at 6 o'clock with the high school coach to show he and T.P. Hammock will be uh, doing that from the end zone bar and grill. But today we've got a great show planned for you. Again, as I just said, we'll give some more thoughts on Auburn, Texas A&M. Start to look forward to Auburn, Georgia, what needs to happen, the uh, changes that we would make, that sort of thing. At 3.30, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us, and he'll talk about those very things, as well as yesterday was the kind of unofficial start of basketball as uh, Bruce Pearl met with the media, got practice underway yesterday. So uh, maybe have a question or two for Ferg about Auburn basketball. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, as always, the Sports Call 5 at 5, which is presented by Southeastern Land Group. And at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join Join us uh, for all your fantasy football needs. We'll also talk a little bit of NFL with him uh, towards the end of the program. And as always, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And those numbers will be extra important today because in the 4 o'clock hour, you know, we've got something for you in each hour, in the 4 o'clock hour, you'll want that number to win some Auburn-Georgia tickets. So we'll hook you up with those. And we'll let you know when that is in the 4 o'clock hour. So stay tuned for the announcement on that giveaway. Well, we're also running a giveaway on our social media, at SportsCallAU. And there's still time to enter that as we pick a winner tomorrow at noon. And so you can go to our SportsCall Twitter account, at SportsCallAU, for a chance to win online as well. So a couple ways to win tickets to Auburn and Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday. Again, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy will join us in a little bit, and Cam Berry 
with me here right now. Cam, I uh, hope you've had a, a good last several days. Good to see you again, sir. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. I'm glad you survived the weather down in Tampa. Uh, it was definitely a rainy game, and, and I know the Bucks didn't get the exact result uh, that you wanted, but I felt like it was kind of a quality game. It wasn't, you know, it was a... It was expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't they embarrassing. didn't beat y'all down. Yeah, I would say they didn't, like, beat you guys down or anything like that, so... This is a definitely, definitely a uh, a lot of running, a lot of, yeah. lot of, lot of run plays uh, that were going on. So that definitely favored Philadelphia as they're an extremely run heavy team. So, um, yeah, but but glad you made it back safe and survived the Thanks, weather. Sir. You don't seem like you have a cold either, so that's no, good. Still too. doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm doing well. Knock uh, on yeah, knock on wood. Uh, but I'm doing well. Uh, aside from you know. Uh, Auburn did take the loss. My first, my first show since you know since Auburn did face Texas A and M. Um, really struggled to get the passing game going. I mean, just fifty six total uh, passing yards and and just uh, mediocre in terms of the passing game. The run game seemed to be very successful, um, but you know Texas A and M kind of keyed in on that so as to force Auburn to run the ball and. Uh, or excuse me, uh, force Auburn to pass the ball, and they were unable to do that. Um, you know, so that that was a very disappointing result. Uh, I thought it would be. I thought Auburn would be able to put up a little bit more points, and I thought they might be able to win. But um, you know, it was it was relatively close. You thought Auburn might have a chance, especially with uh, Connor Wegman when when he was under center. But once Max Johnson came in. Uh, you know the the switch kind of flipped honestly, and and Auburn uh, and Texas A&M just took off. I mean, uh, when Wegman came in, he you know 11 attempts, completed seven passes, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, one was a deep bomb to uh, Evan Stewart, excuse me, between uh, the safety and the corner, and and that was a very very good throw. Uh, put it right where it needed to be, and so yeah, just uh, just. Tough to tough to watch, and I mean the defense did everything they could. Auburn's defense did everything that they could. Uh, I mean even even scored a touchdown for the offense. So they they did their part. I think you know they did end up giving up the twenty seven points, but I still feel like a lot of that was because the offense couldn't get into rhythm, and the defense ended up having to give way because they were on the field so much. So uh, that that's kind of where things stood. Uh, you know, kind of bummed about how that how that played out, but. Um, yeah, so so we'll talk more about that a little bit uh, before we get to preview uh, Georgia, and then also the Falcons took a loss against uh, uh, against the Lions on Sunday. Same thing, honestly. I think Auburn and and the Falcons are kind of built similar and a run heavy team. In all honesty, uh, and and the Lions kind of did the same thing. They loaded the box and. Uh, forced Desmond Ritter to make decisions, and the offensive line couldn't really hold up as well either. And um, you know the defense did perfectly fine, but they 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 were on the field so much they weren't able. They just ended up giving way. I mean, you just that's how kind of how it goes. And um, yeah, so so um, Atlanta did struggle. Hopefully, they can travel to London and bounce back against the Jags. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later in the week. But yeah, I'm doing great. Braves got 100 wins, so that's something. That's a bright thing, right? Sure. We could talk about something happy. The Braves got 100 wins, um, and and now they what? They're at 101. Magic numbers one yep. to to one of anything. Dodger right, loss, Brave yeah, win one, and yep. and then it's two right to Baltimore. Yep. Yeah, to to clinch uh, World Series if they were if they are so gracious enough to get there. 
um, then they'll have a uh, home field advantage in the World Series as well. So uh, that's exciting at the very least that, that they're above 100 wins for back-to-back seasons and the Braves are, are rolling. But yeah, I'm doing great. A uh, great Wednesday and um, ready to ready to talk it all out with you. Yeah, one or two more wins and officially all of the regular season boxes would be checked for the Braves. Also, that home run mark they're going for. Oh, yeah. 300 homers on the year. Uh, Seven away, got to get that in five games. Looking pretty good to do that, but still, again, it's going to come down to the very last series. So I could tell you all the positive Braves things, but we're not going to start that way. We're going to start the negative Auburn things uh, as we are sports call Auburn after all. So let's talk more about Auburn, Texas A&M. And I know that's been discussed on the show the last couple of weeks, but do want to get our two cents before we kind of transition into the Georgia game, before we transition into an interview with Justin Ferguson coming on here in about 15, 20 minutes. Look, I think that a lot of the obvious things have been stated already. I'm not going to be breaking news to anyone passing game has been unacceptable to this point in the year uh what really is the next question is a path going forward what does it look like at the quarterback position what does it look like run the pass wise uh and and that sort of stuff but that auburn a&m game again you have to give i think tremendous credit to the defense it is a natural occurrence when you have four straight three and outs in the second half the defense is going to start to yield some yards and some points they did in fact score auburn's only touchdown even in the meantime of that so i do not look at a few gashes here and there in the second half uh, as solely on the defense even in this day and age where look i know that there's more commercial breaks and there's more timeouts and that sort of thing it still does not supplement four straight three and outs absolutely Uh, so auburn did a really good job defending and again, especially in that first half, uh, holding AM to a 6 3 mark at the half. Auburn, too, I, I could add this, got a little bit fortunate in some ways because it could have even worked uh, against them more offensively, where they almost scored for Texas AM on that yeah. fumble that was ruled a forward pass, which it was. Pass, uh, but again, Auburn's offense was actively working against itself for the majority of the game. They go to Astrid's second drive of the third quarter. I thought this was a different situation personally than the Cal game. I thought this was at least more reasonable. You could still absolutely make the argument that Thorne could have stayed in there longer, uh, even though he was playing poorly. But I thought this made more sense for me. This is a no, you are yanked. This is not a rotational yeah, deal. No, this yeah, is we've seen two, uh, a half plus a drive, and we are putting Astrid in for a spark. Didn't get a spark. Went three now a couple more times uh, before they eventually had a couple of drives late, one with Ashford, one uh, with Holden Gurner at the very end, uh, which has obviously sparked what do you do with Georgia. But I, I think that the big thing here is you ran the ball fine. The, the running backs were pretty good overall. Again, I, I have not done the numbers like I did against Cal, but the yards per carry out the running backs was at least over five, if not six, almost seven. So the, the running backs did a quality job in their attempts. And obviously, Sean Jackson's one for 31 at the end is going to maybe skew things even higher. But I'm just saying the, the three guys that got real carries, and really only two because of Alston's injury, and he's going to be out, uh, we've seen from quite some time. The running backs did fine. Uh, but also, when it comes to a point that Towards the end of the game, you have to start chucking it around a little bit, down two and three possessions. You're getting desperate. You know, they didn't stick with the run as much as maybe they could have, but at the same time, should have. Sure, should have. At the same time, because of some quarterback runs and that sort of thing, the run tally was much higher than the pass tally. Obviously, some of that has to do with sacks as well, which we get into the offensive line play with Peyton Thorne's decision making. Uh, but Cam, again, with 
Well, let's start with the plan. Let's start with the offensive game plan, not even any individual performances. How would you grade that, not only in the first half, because it felt like it was different first half to second half. I have a take on good versus bad right. and all that, but what did you think of the plan in the A&M game? Um, I thought it was fine. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought it was fine overall. Um, I, I give it, I, you know, if we're giving it a grade, I give it like a C minus, honestly. Um, I thought they still kind of tried to force the throws, even though Peyton wasn't hitting well. Uh, and, and then the run game was working so well. The run game was I, – I, I thought the run game was creative. I thought you were able to get plenty of guys involved. Brian Batie came in very, very handy. Um, had, you know, eight carries, 59 yards, averaged you know, 7.4 yards per carry. Did very, very well, I felt like, and was successful in the run game. And even Jarquez was perfectly fine. I mean, he had, you know, nine carries for 53 yards. So I thought I thought the run game was more successful, and I thought that Auburn would should have tried to be a little bit more aggressive with that. Uh, but but they weren't. They wanted to they wanted to pass the ball. And I understand you know you want to be able to to pass the ball. Uh, but it just seems like Peyton just isn't comfortable back there. He just another game where he just didn't look comfortable at all in the pocket and, and just was sailing his throws, uh, you know, a throw that was a little long, uh, in a seam route to, I think that was Tyler Fromm that Fromm ended up getting, getting, um, getting hit and that that honestly could have constituted as a late hit, but you know, that's not really what we're talking about. Um, and then you know missing the um, kind of out outside route from uh, Jay from Jay Fair that one was a was a really really rough one because you you feel like if you're having a a passer that's you know as accurate as Peyton has in his history he should have been able to hit that throw and that throw that would have been a touchdown uh, or, or you know you, no guarantees but it was more than likely going to be a touchdown and. Um, throws that that you know you would expect to keep Auburn in the game, and he just wasn't able to do so. Sometimes he held onto the ball a little bit too long. Um, just just wasn't able to just be overall comfortable. So it just wasn't a, a great situation. I mean, Auburn just gave up so many sacks, uh, seven sacks to this Texas A&M defense. And I get that the defensive line is extremely talented. Uh, and you know, the Auburn's O line has some issues, but the overall game plan just, I just didn't love it. I thought that once you saw that the passing game wasn't working, you should have adjusted and really started focusing on your run game because you have a lot of talented running backs in your room. Like I, you know, obviously you lost, uh, Damari Austin and, and, uh, he, he is going to be a big loss cause he's the second running back in the room, but you still have guys like Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Batie and Jarquez Hunter. And then you still have Sean Jackson, who's a bowling ball and can really, you know, if you get into a fourth and one situation, you're putting Sean Jackson in because he's the biggest guy in the running back room and he's probably going to get that first down. So, uh, a lot of talent in that running back room. So it, it's, uh frustrating that they did not go more to their run game and lean on it just a little bit more especially when you know you know you're not getting any success in the passing game i think with the plan i would say that they came out fine i we talked about on friday they would come out one of two ways 
They would either do a lot of creative running, yep. a lot of different kinds of run early, or they'd try a couple deep shots early to, to kind of stretch out the defense immediately, see where Thorne's head is at, see right. if they can open up the box a little bit. They chose the former. They chose a couple Peyton Thorne design runs, right. which didn't go well, no. uh, and then a, a few normal runs which started to go better. The, the reality is with Thorne, he is again. I, I hate to say this because you see him as like that's, he's not slow. He still runs like any other college quarterback. He's yeah. not an above average athlete for the college quarterback. He is 21, 22 years old. All these kids can move like that or some semblance of it. Right. Uh, and so that Sanford game was fake in terms of rushing the football. You still had to make real throws, and he made some real good throws in that game. But the 120 rush yards or whatever, that's not happening in SEC play, and it certainly was not happening against A&M. So that part of it, you got to get that out of your head. He's not a design runner. It would only work if they're really caving towards the running back and they just leave the weak side completely unattended. That's that's the kind of stuff that's going to work against SEC defenses. Otherwise, it's not a constant common thing. So that's that, that part's out. So plan-wise, eh, to try that, see it, I didn't love it, but okay. Uh, I thought the timing of the Astrid situation was pretty much what needed to happen at that point. Right. I, was, I was getting there. Uh, and look, again, when you watch Peyton Thorne, and this is what I'm having trouble figuring out what exactly happened in the last nine months for this kid. He just looks unsure of everything. Very, very. Uh, this is a kid like I, I watched the tape of him in Michigan State. Good year and mediocre year in year two. And both years, what stood out to me is that he was hanging in the pocket, taking some hits, navigating pocket to buy some time. It was not, I'm going to just sit here and hold the ball. Whoops, here I go down. Or, oh, you know what? First sign of trouble, I'm way out to the right throwing the ball away. No, I saw him, even when he would escape the pocket at Michigan State, he would still look down the field. His eye placement seems all out of whack. When he has to move, it's over. He's not refinding positions and targets down the field. Uh, he's not. I think Tom talked about it on Monday. I did listen to you guys. Um, I think Tom was mentioning a throw that Peyton had just dropped his eyes as someone was coming opening uh, coming open. Excuse me. And so he's not seeing that part of it. So that's that's one edge is when he's moving, his eyes are gone. The second part is he is worried about the offensive line. Yeah. And this is a problem that's happened off and on with Auburn quarterbacks Absolutely. the last few years, as it should. Bo had the same problem. <laughs> right. right, as Auburn's O-line has not been good for quite some time. I thought that the Auburn's O-line was pretty damn good in the run game. I thought that pass game, they were obviously not great. It's not the worst I've ever seen, but then again, I've seen a lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah, of bad stuff. It's been rough. Uh, but it was obviously not good from a pass pro uh, perspective. But it was heightened because once it happened a couple times, that's when Thorne then over-worried about yeah. it, then started to move more. And like I just said with problem number one, once he started the move, the play was over because he was not throwing the run. He was not keeping the eyes on the play. Right. And so as he became more worried about it, everything with him either sped way up or slowed way down. And if it sped way up, then it was getting a little anxious in the pocket and then moving. Or if it slowed way down, then it was like, hey, I'm trying this time, I'm trying this time, and now I'm getting sacked. And so – 
everything to go with his is I don't know in the last nine months of it was learning a new offense or being overwhelmed by just new teammates and not having right. trust in his teammates or or something too complicated in the scheme or, or complicated in SEC defenses even though he's only seen one I don't know exactly what that was but something in the last nine months has changed his confidence level and his ability to hang in there and read things down the field and so it is really tough to see a path for him other than just finding a couple plays that hit even if they're not necessarily supposed to like a couple of short passes that become happily 30 yards or something to get him his confidence back because we talk about this in a completely different position when a kicker loses his confidence it doesn't come back like he just it it, it usually just falls all the way apart right. Uh, they see this with kids that are really great in college that go to the NFL and they lose confidence and it's very hard for them to get it back. Maybe a second or third team will help that. It helped it with Daniel Carlson, for example, right. but Absolutely. also it was very quick quick on the trigger by Minnesota. But sometimes you lose confidence as a kicker, you're gone. If you lose confidence as a quarterback and you're the leader of the team and you are trying to figure out these defenses, figure out an RPO, figure out how to be in the right read, then – it's very hard for me to see why that would come back to to you all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, maybe coaches instilling more confidence in him, sure, but I at this point, it's hard for me to say that Thorne's all of a sudden just gonna the light bulb's yeah, just gonna, gonna click yeah, middle of the season switch. against these great defenses, and all of a sudden he will then read everything well. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's gonna be tough to see. And I thought about that with the playbook. That was something that kind of might have factored into it with his decision. Maybe he's just unsure about the routes and everything. And but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Hugh Freeze said that Peyton played very well in practice. So maybe you're right. It's just a live game situation and the worry about the offensive line and, and how unsure he is with um with how long his protection's gonna hold up and you know He's starting to hold on the ball way too long, and I, I just saw him do some like little pump fakes and stuff where he wanted to let the ball go, but he didn't. So I definitely was was frustrated when I'm watching. I'm like, man, you know, even if, even if you throw an interception, you can you can learn a lesson from an interception, um, and obviously you can learn a lesson from a sack as well. But I feel like if you're at least making the effort to make the throw, then you can put yourself in a better situation because maybe the wide receiver can go make a play, something like that. But if you're just holding on to the ball for too long, well, you're not getting per- anything productive out of that. Absolutely nothing productive out of that. So uh, I maybe it maybe has to do with, with the playbook. I are just you know learning it and being familiar with it, being comfortable because he did come in late. But I don't know, you know, you're you're a, a power five caliber quarterback, or you were a power power five ca- caliber quarterback for two three seasons and you you performed pretty well so uh, i'm not sure what the difference is now that he's here at auburn 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to call into the orthopedic clinic phone line today we have time for one phone call before we get to justin ferguson die hard die die hard die is with us this afternoon die hard die how are you this afternoon war eagle war eagle Hey, just something to think about. I've been in a huddle before, and, and um, you know, this guy came down, and you guys have had jobs before where, you know, when you come into a, a workplace or a huddle and everyone's been there and you're the new guy and maybe you're not clicking with them and maybe the guy that you took his spot really clicked with them or maybe the second string clicks with them and better friends because a lot of this 
a lot of sports is a brotherhood. And, again, um, I talk about the Auburn 2000 rugby team, the 99 team that made it ninth in the country. It wasn't because we had talent all of a sudden. It's because we were brothers. And, again, on the football field in the huddle, I've seen, you know, a second-string quarterback that was better friends with a lineman. And, you know, on every given play, you can't give 100%. But maybe the second string comes in, their buddy comes in, and they push a little bit harder. Um, with all that said, and with the personality and the conflicts, maybe, you know, the brotherhood's not there, the, the loyalty. Um, have you ever heard him talk to the team? Is, is um, the quarterback a, an intelligent guy? Is he charismatic? Is he a leader to where the guys love him? Do you know anything about that? Because that's something no one's ever touching upon that has such huge implications of how a team works, and especially as a quarterback spot, being a leader and a figurehead and, a, you know, um, the kind of big brother kind of thing. And, for example, Campbell, Jason Campbell didn't have it until his senior year. And people start coming into his house and looking up to him and like, oh, you're a wise guy. But it took him years to get to that mentality, especially for 19, 20, 21-year-olds. So if you could give me any feedback on that, um, and, you know, that could be a possibility of, of what's falling apart in there and why he was good and struggling right now. All right, sure. Appreciate it. Uh, that's Die Hard Die joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, I, I would note this because being around the team a little bit, not as much as the beat writers, obviously, as a lot of their practice viewing windows during the time of our show, but what we got to see in the preseason, certainly, and what we've heard. I've not read a bunch of stories on Peyton Thorne you know, really clicking with teammates or, you know, taking horn, the, taking the reign of leadership. And, and and that's not to say he can't do that because obviously he was quarterback two years at Michigan State. I don't want to start to go the other way and say, yeah, it's a clear negative with the guy. But I do think that there's truth in he came into this late. Robbie Ashford might not have been successful, but he was still on the team last year. Right. And – you know, Dyer is referencing how you have favorites on the team and that sort of thing, and, and guys click with certain guys. Like, yeah. I can see that happening there. Now, that's not to say these guys are not giving great effort because I, I don't think that's the slant Dyer was going with either, but there is a, a certain connection that you do have to obtain as the leader of a team yeah. that goes above and beyond just the normal fitting in and, and being on a part of a team. And I, with Thorne, I've not seen that. I will say, for example – can it happen, transfer guys? Absolutely, because I do recall very early on in the process, as early as the summer, Jarrett Sidham beginning to click right. with his teammates and beginning to throw have these throw sessions and, and begin to just really gel, and he was incredibly charismatic, and he did blend in incredibly quickly. Now, is some of that altered because Thorne may or may not have ended, ended up winning the job? You know, like it was some sort of race? Right. I don't know, uh, but... It is definitely noticeable, I'll say, that there has not been anything written to the effect of, oh, yeah, everybody just loves this guy, or he's really taken upon himself these last couple of weeks. He had a te- he called a team meeting yeah. and, and had a come-to-Jesus moment, that sort of thing. Again, that's not to say the, ki- the kid's bad at it, because no. we've not heard stories of the named, contrary. Because he was named a captain, too, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that would seem to be a positive indicator. Right. But I, to be fair, yes, I have not heard 
the same positive affirmation, the same positive stories that we heard when a guy like Stidham came in in 2017, which obviously 17 ended up being really good to year 18, went off the rails a little bit. But I, again, I, I can't speak personally to anything standing out in the affirmative or in the positive, although, again, there's not been anything to suggest anything negative. But the point is, and I think Dyer Die was making it there, that, hey, a little bit, you know, Robbie Ashford having, uh, having been here last year, very possible that he's got the locker room a little bit more. And, and some people would also say, too, that uh, with, with the situation where an Alabama – some believe Milrow fit in yeah. a lot better than Buckner and these other right. guys that are coming in. So, again, those are certainly valid possibilities and that sort of thing. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line because Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. He'll talk all things Auburn football, what the AM game meant, what the Georgia game means, and maybe a little Auburn basketball, too, at the end. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. And with that, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Kind enough to take some time out of the busy week for us. Justin, how are you this afternoon? Doing well. How are y'all? Doing very well. And Sometimes I give you a changeup or a curveball to start off the interview, but today we're going fastball down the middle uh, as we're going to go ahead and ask you straight, Justin, what's going on with the quarterback room? What did you see uh, out of the performance of, of really all three guys there in College Station? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a rough game for Auburn. I thought Peyton Thorne just struggled with pretty much everything that you needed him to, to do well in this game, um, managing pressure, um, you know, finding the open guy. I mean, it just no, nothing really worked uh, for him in this game. And he just, I think just the, the amount of sacks he took, not trying to get out of anything, not throwing the ball away like that. That was really, that was a really big problem for Auburn in this game. Cause he just, it felt like he just didn't have a ton of confidence. And then when in the second half, when Annam really started leaning on Auburn's offensive line and that those guys started wearing down, um, you know, he just he had no shot at really doing anything. Um, Robbie Asher gets into the game, doesn't really do a whole lot throwing the ball. Um, although I, I did like the fact that he like got out of the pocket a few times, uh, decided you know when pressure came, hey, I just need to throw this thing down the field. I think those things are positive. Like you, you will take that if you're Auburn for sure. Um, but you know, it, can he run the full scope of this offense? Uh, I thought. 
you know, Auburn's running game, people have been asking all week, hey, why didn't Auburn run it more? Well, A&M was kind of teeing off on on the on the running game once they knew, you know, basically, hey, Auburn's not going to throw the ball. They can't. They don't have a shot at throwing the ball in this game. Um, but I did think that Ashford coming into the game, the running game was a little bit more consistent, gave him a shot in the arm in the, in the second half. So that's a positive for sure. And then Holden Garner, I mean, just one drive. Uh, you know, it's hard to take too much away from one drive when the other team is pretty much already done. Um, doing what it needs to do in the game, but you know, I thought he looked. I thought you know there were some traits about him that looked good for sure. Um, seemed poised, got the ball out of his hands. He's got really good arm strength. He doesn't have the accuracy, doesn't have the touch. Just misfired on a lot of those passes, and and you know it's, that's that's understandable. He hadn't played a lot of college football yet, so um, really, I mean, you know, Thorne had a ton of struggles. I thought there were some good things from Ashford in limited limited minutes, but you know it's not a it's not. Uh, you, something you can grade a ton on for them. Um, they got to find some answers, and um, you know I think anything's kind of up for grabs uh, after this week against Georgia. Because if you're Auburn, um, you know you're you're you've got an off week, and uh, you don't want to necessarily you know uh, try a bunch of new stuff, I guess, or um, you know tear it all up and start over right before you play the best team in the country. Um, wait to do that after after your bye week, and you can have more time to figure some things out. So we'll see. It's it feels like last chance for Peyton Thorne or close to it to be like, hey, if it's going to be you, it, it needs to start coming here pretty soon. And then looking forward to Georgia, uh, Justin, I guess what do you think are any keys for the offense to maybe just get going? I know it'll be tough against this, you know high-powered Georgia uh, defense, but, you know, what? what is there any way for them to be successful in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday? I do. I think they need to play good complimentary football for sure. You're going to have to throw the ball. Like, you're, you're, like, you cannot, you cannot, like, have zero, you know, passing threat in this game. Otherwise, Georgia is going to be do what A&M did and just go to town on your running game, and that will eventually break down, um, you know, so – uh, I, I do think they're going to have to run the ball, manage the clock, hold on to the ball. You know, don't shoot yourselves in the foot with turnovers. You know, you had a, Auburn had a lot of a lot of penalties in this past game on the offensive line. You got to play cleaner ball. Like you have no chance of survival with the schedule that you have ahead of you if you play you know unclean football basically. Um, so you know, find out ways to get your 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 passing game going if it's possible, and let the running game kind of play off of that. Um, but you know, it's going to be tough. Like uh, Georgia's still the best team in the country. And so for Auburn, it's just, can you find anything, um, have a better plan, have a better system, have a better way of handling pressure, uh, for your passing game. And then let the, let the running game do its work and see if you can kind of make this a close game and lean on that defense. I do think Auburn's defense is playing some pretty good ball right now. Not perfect. Um, but they've had their injuries. It's a new system and they've, They've done a pretty good job of handling it so far. Um, you know, I think I think the way they play defense gets A and M. That'll keep you in a lot of SEC games. Georgia's offense isn't as like impressive as some other teams are that we've seen in college football this year. So, if you can make this a low-scoring game, hang it around, play to the crowd. Um, you know, rally in Jordan Hare. Um, you know, you might be able to do something where you can make this a competitive game for longer than people are expecting. So, I think that's kind of the key. Like. Play good complimentary football, but you got to play clean ball for first and foremost. There were some wondering what exactly would go on with the quarterback position coming into the Georgia game, and uh, it looks from Hugh Freeze's comments that Peyton Thorne will be 
uh, still the guy. But how quick do you think that hook could come? Because we've obviously seen Ashford come in second drive of the third quarter against A&M, and then the Cal game is kind of its own separate uh, mess there. But but what would be uh, kind of the leniency there on Thorne if he were to start the Georgia game? I mean, if you're if you're making really bad plays and missing open receivers and not getting anything going, you know, it could it could be a quick hook for sure. Um, I like I said, I, I understand Auburn not wanting to bench Peyton Thorne right now and not make him the starter, um, you know, anymore. I I think it's a home game. It's like, hey, you're playing a great defense and you're playing a power program, but this will be your first one in your own building. You got some things that are going to be working to. Can you do it? I'm not expecting you to go out there and look like, you know. Patrick Mahomes against Georgia's defense, but like, can you show some improvement? Can you show some progress? If not, if it still struggles like that in your backyard, um, it, it might be time in the off week to like really take a close look at who should be the quarterback moving forward for Auburn, and whether that is, uh, you know, Robbie Ashford or maybe even Holden Garner. That remains to be seen. But like for Auburn, like you know, you got to show progress, and and Freeze knows that, and he say he talked about it on Monday. Like it's up to him to get this thing fixed, and like. You know, don't expect Auburn to be a. You know, you shouldn't expect Auburn to be a title contender this year. But he's like, you're. You've got to have a. You know, it's reasonable to expect your team to get better as the season goes on. They got to start doing that on offense. And um, you know, maybe Georgia's not the time where you just reload everything and and, and try a bunch of new stuff with an off week coming up. But that off week's going to be really big because after that off week, you've got some winnable games on your schedule if you can if you can take advantage of it. One of the few, if not the only, bright spots of the game offensively for Auburn against A&M was Brian Battee, who uh, in his 10 or so touches accrued about 80 yards, both rushing and receiving. Uh, so talk a little bit about his impact with the injury of Demari Austin and how they'll figure out that RB2 role between Battee and Jeremiah Cobb. I think he did a really good job. He is a change of pace. You can do different things with him that you might not get with Jarquez Hunter. You know, Jarquez Hunter has looked all right at times this year. Um, I think there were some good moments from him against against Texas A&M. But, you know, he doesn't have that same kind of speed and burst that Batie and Cobb have. And I think Batie, um, they do, they're doing some stuff like with outside zone, countering, stuff like that, like and, and really catching teams off guard with him. I thought that was a good part. Uh, that was a good kind of change-up, good way to use him on Saturday uh, against A&M. And I think that can, be a, that can be a sign of things to come from him. And I still think you can find ways to get Jeremiah Cobb uh, involved in this offense. Maybe a home game will help him out in that regard instead of you know throwing him out there to the Wolves and in, uh, in SEC play on the road. So we'll see. Um, I do think that you know the Demari Austin blow is a pretty tough one because um, I think Austin uh, is a great running back and it's just really tough to to lose a guy like that on such a busted play that, that you had, but. Um, you know, I think Auburn. I think Auburn can still manage the three running backs, and uh, you know they 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 have guys that can kind of cha- change some things up and do some different things. And Betsy, uh, Betsy looked like like he was his advertise on 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 a Saturday. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ferg, let's look defensively at Auburn as they get face or get ready to face. Number one, Georgia. Obviously, Georgia has kind of built the brand off of defense and offensively. A lot to wonder about with Carson Beck's first year under center and that sort of thing. What have you seen from the Bulldogs, and what opportunities does Auburn have with the with the benefit of the home crowd to try to shut down Georgia over the weekend? 
I think Georgia's still trying to figure out who they can trust this year on offense. Um, you know, Carson Beck's not a bad quarterback at all. He's a talented guy. You know, um, I, I don't think Georgia's supporting cast is as strong as it has been in the past. Uh, the running back, the offensive line—they've had—they just had some—they've had some things that they had to change. You know, Marius Mims is out. They've had guys, you know, they've had guys go down with injury. Uh, Lat McConkey doesn't sound like a guy who's going to play a ton against uh, against Auburn, but you know, he's he's a big weapon. Uh, when he is out there, they still have Brock Bowers, and they're feeding Brock Bowers a lot, and that's a that's a good thing. But I don't think you're seeing like Georgia just go, you know, like leaning hard on their running game. You know, their quarterback's still figuring some things out. They're still good. Like, they're still capable of putting up points. But they've been slow starters. You know, uh, only a two touchdown game with UAB uh, at halftime last week. Uh, we all know what happened to start the game against against South Carolina um, a couple weeks ago. They're not bad, and they're a good team, but I think this is more of a team that's leaning on their defense right now. And in a matchup like this, if you're Auburn, um, if you're Auburn's defense, you got to sit there and say, if we play a clean game and play to our crowd and kind of lean on this home field advantage, if we play like we've played you know, against Cal and against Texas A&M, we can hang in this game. We can give our guys a chance to, to be competitive. And um, it's not going to be easy. You know, you've got injuries of your own that you've got to deal with. But uh, I think Auburn's, I think Auburn's in a really good spot with their, uh, with their offense. I, I mean, their defense, I really do. I think, uh, I think they've, uh, they've done a good job of adjusting to a new system. It's just a matter of like, can the offense finally do that? And that's the troubling thing for that. If you're Auburn is that your head coach is an offense guy. Uh, and, and you're not in that point yet, but good, good work so far from Auburn's defense. They're running and hitting pretty hard. And then, Justin, yesterday we know was the beginning of basketball practice. The media had an opportunity uh, to have a press conference with uh, Bruce Pearl and have a, a media luncheon and that sort of thing. What did you take away from what Coach Pearl said? And, and the there were expectations and opportunities for Auburn basketball this year. Yeah, I mean, he, Bruce likes his team. Uh, there's a lot of questions about it, but he, he loves the what he's seen right now, and that's, that's really good work ethic. Um, it's a hard working team that they really, you know, they're really proud of, of the work they put in in the offseason. You've seen it in kind of the, the strength and conditioning. Uh, Jalen Williams is like up by like nearly 20 pounds. Like a bunch of these guys have got a, a lot of good weight, good muscle on. Um, and that's going to be key because this Auburn team, there's real questions about, you know, can they rebound? Can they defend? Like, uh, you know, rebounding was a struggle for them last year and, and they lost, you know, uh, guys like Alan Flanagan, who were, who were really good rebounders from that area, and they need to do better in the front court with their with their boards. Um, the guys that they brought in, uh, for the most part, just haven't played a lot of high level basketball yet. Uh, but they're good. They're 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 talented guys. I think they fit the system well. Auburn's going to be able to shoot it uh, better than we've seen in the pa- in the past few years. Um, they've got good, healthy competition. They're going to lean on their depth, um, and and I think this team. The team's got a chance if it clicks and kind of puts it all together um, to be a team that, that can be a step forward from where they were last season. It's going to be tough. The SEC is going to be really tough again this year. But I do like the upgrades they've made on offense on this team. Uh, if they can just figure out how to, how to sort out their defense with this new group of guys and become a better rebounding team, they're going to be in a good spot. I do think they're going to be in a good spot. Now, I'm not going to be ready to call them you know, SEC title contenders or anything like that. But uh, to be one of the better teams in the SEC, um, they've got the pieces. And I think I think they might not have a ton of, like, top-level talent on, on this team um, that people know, but 
I think they fit together really, really well. And, and again, I keep going back to the fact that people are forgetting that Aiden Holloway is like the second best player Auburn has ever signed. Uh, and he's a special talent, um, you know, and, and the number one player Auburn's ever signed out of high school was Jabari Smith. Number three player was Sharif Cooper. We know how good those guys were, so that bodes pretty well for Aiden Holloway. Just about a month and a week away from Auburn starting the basketball season with Baylor there in uh, the, the very traditional basketball state of South Dakota. Uh, and uh, we're getting excited about that for sure. Justin, as always, the Times greatly appreciate what's going on over at the Auburn Observer here, to, uh, not only this week, but in the coming weeks. Yeah, if you want a lot on uh, Auburn's uh, passing game, their offensive struggles, uh, my first two newsletters of the week uh, touched a lot on that, had a film room on. Auburn's uh, passing game problems at Texas A&M on Monday. On Tuesday, had a story on Hugh Freeze saying, like, you know, he's not changing the quarterback or going and taking over play calling yet, but he's got a lot of fix. There's a breakdown of that. Uh, today did uh, over 3,000 words about Auburn basketball practice, so uh, you can check that out. A ton of stuff in there in, the, uh, in that newsletter about Auburn, Auburn hoops. Um, let's see what else. Tomorrow we're going to do a uh, Auburn-Georgia preview podcast with our friends from uh uga uh this should be a lot of, should be a lot of fun uh it'll be our 2013 series our looking back series will be a fun one tomorrow as well mailbag on friday and uh, we'll have coverage from auburn georgia over the weekend so there's always something going on at the observer we'll give you something at least one thing a day uh in your inbox about 6 a.m central time uh so just sign up at auburnobserver.com it's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year and uh, once you're in, you're in, and we uh, will give you everything, uh, you know, through your through your email uh, server. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. Justin, again, as always, the time's greatly appreciated. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Look forward to seeing it during here Stadium on Saturday. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep. Thank you, guys. See you later. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. One quick final timeout to wrap up the hour. Right after this. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. Tom Peavy will be joining us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And, uh, again, we still got a lot to do on this show today. Joe Barnell will come up at 5.15 in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll have two tickets to give away to Auburn and Georgia. So stay tuned for that announcement. And then again, right now on our socials, you can still enter a different giveaway for two tickets to Auburn and Georgia. Uh, that one can be found at Sports Call AU on Twitter for that giveaway. We've got a lot of entrants, but of course we will pick at random and hope that you will join us in and try to enter for your chance to win two tickets there. 
Ryan and Cam with you here for a couple more minutes for the end of this hour. Just heard from Justin Ferguson. And again, Cam, we've been thinking a lot about the quarterback play. That's obviously where it's going to start in a situation like this. We did allude to it there a little bit at the end. Um, Peyton Thorne is going to be starting yeah. for Auburn on Saturday. There was, uh, there, There is, there was, there will continue to be a lot of conversing about what should ultimately happen uh, with the quarterback situation. How do you think Auburn should be handling it, regardless of how they're handling yeah. it? How do you think they should be handling it? Well, I think that Peyton should get a chance to – to rectify his performance from uh, from the Texas A&M game, I I think everybody should get an opportunity to make up when they've messed up. Uh, and and I mean, Peyton did not perform well. There's no way around it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Missing throws left and right. Uh, standing in the pocket too long. Just not making the right decisions overall. Just a, a very very rough game. Um, so you want to give him the opportunity to go back out there and, and make it right. I know this will be a tough game to do that because this is a very talented Georgia Georgia defense. But if you can at least um, just get, make make some quality throws because that's what Georgia is going to force you to do, um, then you'll be able to build off of that. That's what we're that's what we're hoping for is to to just build off of some type of semblance of success throwing the football because you're going to need it down the line. I know this will probably this will be the toughest defense that Peyton Thorne will face, but you you got to you got to get something going here if you're, for Peyton Thorne and if not, then you're just going to if you're Hugh Freeze, you just have to look in another direction after the bye week, really evaluate everything and you move forward from there completely change how your offense is going to be made up and and things like that because Peyton's just not going to be able to throw the ball and you don't really have anybody else that can throw the ball either. So it just it's just a part of it. So you're just going to have to, you know, play it out, wait and see what you can do if you're if you're um Auburn and and hope for the best. And again, uh they are already going with Peyton Thorne. That's why we asked for the right. question about how long it might be if a hook comes. Hopefully, it doesn't have to come. I'm Hopefully, it doesn't what have to come. Rooting for. Uh, I got about 30 seconds here in the hour, so real quickly, I'll just say that I don't think any option is a no-brainer. I think that you can make an argument for all three, really all three, to start this game. I think that. Oh man, I I I I had all all the last three days to think about <laughs> ultimately what my yeah. preference was. Right. I will say this. I do know that starting Gurner against Georgia is a very difficult circumstance to start someone that's not had a, yeah. a big opportunity yet. That's tough. Uh, and, and so that's what makes it really difficult for me to say Gurner is the right answer. I right. think Gurner absolutely becomes the answer with another struggle yeah. game or two. Uh, I'm just not sure that throwing him out to literally the dogs yeah, the literal uh is the best way of, nah. of introducing him into the first start of his career because again confidence is a real thing it has been waning in peyton thorn here the last few weeks and i still think you can salvage a seven win season yeah. and i think the way to do that is to get at least somewhat competent quarterback play at some point and certainly be leaning on the run game during all that time and 
again, I would like Thorne to work out, but if you're going to go to Gurner, I think there's a better place to start than against Georgia. Out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned, though. Tom Peavy comes uh, into the studio in hour number two. He'll he be returns. joining us. He will return. Uh, also coming up a little bit later to the 5 at 5, Joe Bartle. A lot of good stuff ahead on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and now Tom Peavy with us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Tom, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing just fine. Uh, had had an appointment for a uh, company to come into my uh, condo and do an estimate for me for some cleaning, and they didn't show. No up. show. No show. So uh, it got to. They were supposed to be there at three. Uh, it got to be a little bit before three thirty, and I called them and said, "Uh, hey guys, I got to go." So because you didn't here, want to be a no show here. I, exactly. Well, I mean, if they were running late, I, I mean, they're supposed to be there at three. I waited thirty minutes for them, and right. at, at a certain point, I I got stuff to do, so I'll Amen. reschedule and get it done. Well, it's good to see you. It's good sir. to see you. Uh, glad to see you back. In, yeah, man. It's glad to see you back in the studio. Hey, Tom. Pre- appreciate. Uh, How's it going? It's going. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you and uh, especially Brooks there for handling the show the last couple of days. And Absolutely. I did. I did. Uh, I did listen in the car ride, so I was able to to hear the, the the takes there, and certainly agree with a lot of what you guys were talking about. We'll get into more of it here in a little bit, but now it's time to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you this afternoon? Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're, we're doing quite well. Well, no pressure on your marketing director, but when's the next uh, live remote? Yeah, we're not really sure. I know that we will for sure be at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department here in about a month or so uh, for the chili dinners. We always are. It's going to be a little bit earlier this year. Uh, November the 9th. Okay, so two week, two weeks earlier or one week earlier than normal? Uh, two weeks yeah, or one? Yeah, one and a half. Like, something like that. Can't, it, it, was, it was around that time Not, last year. Ninth of November for sure at the Southwest Volunteer Fire uh, Department. We'll see if we have anything else. Okay. Well, um, I'm celebrating my first weekend off in almost two years. Oh wow! Nice. You did well. Uh, that's uh, you deserve. That's a lot of hard work, Daryl. I don't know. It just I wouldn't call it hard. I was just committed. But uh, I was working at an unnamed local restaurant, and I put in my notice, and then I got another job at a unnamed 
grocery store working in food service and i'm just looking forward to starting that job next week all right well i i didn't know that you were leaving the uh, the former uh, restaurant there but uh yeah well uh are you excited for the new gig oh god yes <laughs> <laughs> awesome well you know i'm not gonna get in specifics but you know the restaurant business you have certain levels of management one guy's over the local store, and there's another manager's over at the three stores, and there's another manager that's over the six stores. And uh, we didn't get in a confrontation or a conflict, but I just approached my manager. I was like, listen, um, the 23rd is my last day. I'm working my notice. Yeah. And he wished me well, gave me his personal phone number because – if you call that restaurant, they won't answer the phone because they don't want to do to-go orders. Oh, yeah, and then, that's not uh, good. <laughs> what has that been happening for two years? <laughs> you know, and we're loyal to our regular customers, you know, but by the same token, you know, not everybody has that in mind, you know. And, uh, oh, I just say it on the air. It's Publix downtown, and every time I go in that store, it just – Everybody's happy. Everybody, all the customers are happy, and I'm just so looking forward to that desire. And then for the first uh, Saturday in almost two years, I'll get to listen to the Georgia game. I may hop on my bicycle and uh, experience the atmosphere for the game kicks off. And and Sunday, I'll be able to pray for our guys. Hopefully for their injuries and then um, better luck next time they're on the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plans for the weekend. <laughs> well, we, but, we do love that you got the weekend off, though, Daryl. That sounds like a good weekend. Well, my biggest hope on um, this weekend is we don't have any – it's going to be a tough game, you know, on both sides, you know, but I just hope our injuries are not – Serious. There are going to be some, but you know, you, you go into a game like this with so much on the in the atmosphere and just the uh, rivalry. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. And I just hope people on both sides come out whole this weekend. Yeah, no, certainly Auburn's been uh, been having a few injuries, a, a couple that are going to uh, be out for the Georgia game, and uh, obviously physical games like this will. Uh, could p- potentially injure some more guys, but obviously you got the bye week next week, so that would be a time to heal up. Well, maybe that'll be a good time for me to train for my new job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But I'm excited. My job change is uh, <clears throat> the employer I went to. They got 401ks even for part timers and uh, uh, room for advancement and just the whole atmosphere is a lot more positive than what i left so well that sounds like and, a good opportunity then we hope that goes well, very well but tom peavy working in food and beverage industry he probably can relate so oh you yeah know. absolutely all right uh, i'll be listening to the rest of the show guys and i'll talk to you later and let's just hope for the uh, best and expect the worst this weekend all right daryl we certainly appreciate your call hope you have a great weekend okie dokie that is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, appreciate you waiting on hold there. How are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. 
Yeah, I know that this Auburn Georgia game is is a really uh, it's a really hot ticket. This is going to be like a boxing match for this game, and I think that Georgia uh, is not going to win this one. I, I don't see Georgia winning this one. I'm I'm just going to say that right out the gate because I don't I don't see Kirby Smart uh, winning this game on the road in Jordan Harris Stadium. Uh, this is our this is our year to beat Georgia to knock them off. So I know they're national championship uh, contenders, but this this is uh, this is going to be Hugh Freeze first time ever you know coaching this rivalry and coaching these uh young men and uh seeing what the rivalry really means to him as well and i think auburn is going to take this one as well because we really do need this one and and we're just gonna you know throw everything out except for the kitchen sink to kirby smart as well all right, we'll we'll keep the kitchen sink in place then. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I again, I I think that it matters being at home, but also that's just such a mountain to climb. And, and Auburn just showed no no offensive ability against Power Five teams yet, and and for it to come against Georgia would be uh, absolutely shocking. So it's going to be an incredibly difficult challenge. Obviously, there'll be great home support for Auburn, but again, it's uh, it's going to be very tough. Yes, as well, because I know I was very upset from our loss against Texas A&M, and I did. I actually do follow Peyton Thornton, and I said, you know, just work hard and just, you know, have a mindset when you when you're playing in next week's game. So he has to work hard, and uh, you know, have that have that uh, mindset ready for the next game, which is Georgia as well. Yeah, certainly got to have some more confidence and and reading the defenses quicker and more accurately and, uh, again, trying to avoid some of the pressure there up front uh, from the offensive line, giving up the – uh, giving up the occasional pressure. So, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think that Peyton Thorne has to have a uh, maybe a different mentality on top of uh, some different play calling and, and, and protection and that sort of thing. So uh, definitely a lot to work on there. Yes, as well. And then for the uh, for the game day predictions for this one, I have Auburn uh, scoring 34, uh, Georgia 24. So this will be a 34-24 lead for for Auburn to actually come out with a big win at home, and I'm hoping I'm right when I see this game this coming up weekend as well. Well, I'm hoping you're right too, James. It's just going to be very tough to to score a lot of points on Georgia, and again, Auburn uh, not even scoring an offensive touchdown against Texas A&M does not bode well. Uh, scoring 14 points against Cal does not bode well. So a lot of these things don't bode well for the game. But again, uh, definitely hopeful for for, and I do expect a great atmosphere at Jordan Hare Stadium, and hopefully that'll go a long way. Yes, as well, because next uh, on that same weekend, I'm going to be watching LSU because that's our next game that we're going to be playing, and I'm going to be seeing how LSU and uh, Mississippi State um, – I, I think LSU is playing Mississippi State, if I'm correct. Uh, Alabama is at Mississippi State. LSU is at Ole Miss this week. Okay, so I'll be watching LSU and Ole Miss because I know we do play those two teams as well, so I think – Old Miss with uh, Lane Kiffin. I think Old Miss is going to win that one, but it might it might be it might be a toss up as well. So I don't know who's going to come out on top because I know these are the two teams that we're going to be playing next couple of weeks down down the line. So I'm going to be studying LSU's playbook and Old Miss's playbook as well because I know Auburn will be playing those two teams, uh, you know, in the in next couple of months from now as well. 
Yeah, Auburn after the bye week plays LSU and Ole Miss in consecutive weeks. So it'll all be coming up here in just a few weeks. And then after the Ole Miss game, they'll have Mississippi State, who again is playing Alabama this week. So uh, you're right in the middle of SEC play. Got uh, a lot of important games here to come. Yes, as well, because I will be watching uh, Alabama and Mississippi State. So I know we're playing Alabama at the end of the at the end of the season, which I will be there in person. I won't be at the game, but I'll be at the watch party. So I'll be uh, you know somewhere around there, uh, you know, before the game as well. And then once everything, like once all the fans go in the stadium, then I'll just go off into off into my own uh, darkness as well, like I always do as an Auburn fan. So I'm just going to watch this game on uh, on the TV and uh, see if Auburn can beat Alabama this time. Yes, uh, we will see again. Uh, a lot of great SEC football to come. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, trying to keep up with the 2024-2023 uh, Auburn women's basketball season, which is going to be coming up real soon, and uh, seeing some of these, uh, you know, amazing ladies that are going to be uh, playing this year, and uh, the schedule looks good for us this year as well. And I'm, I was just looking at it on my Twitter, and I was just trying to see what what teams we're going to win and um, what teams we're not going to make uh, great wins. Uh, I mean, I just don't know until that time comes for me in uh, 2024 as well. Yeah, Johnny Harris's third season about to get underway, just like uh, another season for Bruce Pearl and the men's basketball team, men's and women's basketball, uh, just over a month away from starting, and we're going to be certainly excited to see all that. Yes, as well. And then I did see on my Twitter uh, page that uh, Bryant, uh, that uh, Coach Freeze's birthday is today, so I just want to wish our uh, coach happy birthday and um for his birthday wish, I'm hoping that he'll uh, blow out the candles and uh, make Auburn win for his uh, birthday gift as well. Yeah, well, that would be a great uh, birthday gift towards the end of the week. But uh, you're right, it is Hugh Freeze's birthday today. Obviously, we don't uh, do birthdays in sports, but uh, we were going to mention that uh, this afternoon. And uh, the head man said earlier today he kind of forgot it was his birthday until uh, people started to uh, texting him and, and telling him happy birthday just because he's been so focused on the Georgia game. Yes, as well, because I know this is going to be a tough uh, game, and uh, I'm hoping that the weather would, would hold out really good for us. I'm hoping this will be a daytime game or a night game. I'm more leaning towards like a night game as well, so I don't know what the what the time schedule is going to be for that one as well. Well, James, I know that uh, you wanted some Talladega trivia. Is that correct? Yes, I did say that as well because it's right around the corner. It starts uh, practice starts this coming up week. It starts Saturday. Uh, Saturday practice uh, qualifying practice starts Saturday, and then the race starts on Sunday at two uh, thirty from Talladega Super Speedway. Yeah, definitely looking forward to the Talladega race each and every year. And there's, of course, two of them, a spring and fall race. So uh, let's uh, give you a couple questions then. Which famous driver? won his last career race in 2000 at Talladega. In 2000. Um, I know I know this driver because I know they uh, did last year, they did the, uh, the documentary for the Talladega Super Speedway. And um, it was in 2000, and I think it was... 
Let me see. I think it was Dar- Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, very, very close. It's his dad, Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, that, that won the 2000 Winston 500 at, uh, at Talladega. So uh, you basically basically right there. Uh, and again, Dale Jr. had a lot of success at uh, Talladega in Daytona too, but his father, Dale Sr., with the, his last career win coming in 2000 at Talladega. Yeah, I I didn't uh, know that one. I'm kind of you know sorry about that one. No, you're good. I mean, very close, very close. Same family, certainly, certainly same family. All right, uh, one more question for you, and this one uh, I hope will be near and dear to your heart. I know it's another specific race, but if you think about it, uh, it has a lot to do with someone that you root for. Who won the 2021 Yellowwood 500 at Talladega? That will be. Bubba Wallace, that won that one. That is correct. That's your favorite driver. That's why I wanted to give that question to you. He most notably won his first race. It was a rain-shortened race at Talladega in 2021. Very good. Yes, as well. And then I have a huge uh, bonus question about this, actually about the Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, when I was in Talladega, uh, they didn't. I didn't even know this because I am from Alabama, Montgomery, but um, one of the older gentleman that was actually at the race he didn't tell, he told me about this one and these guys they uh one of one of the three guys that actually lives in Talladega uh he used to race at the uh Talladega Super Speedway and he used to race with the Alabama boys as well all right well that's uh that's very cool then Yes, as well, and um, they are uh, known. They're known for their uh, great, uh, great race. They uh, talk. Well, one of them talk about the race that happened, uh, you know, years ago with uh, Talladega Super Speedway, and it's a really scary speedway to actually drive on as well because it has some, uh, it has some um, turns, it has some, you know, minor setbacks over the years as well and then uh, most of the people that have been there for years since the super speedway opened up they they've seen some uh, you know some crashes that most of the older nascar fans won't talk about as well yeah talladega well just like daytona because of the high speeds and the restrictor plate racing has uh, definitely been a, a lot of scary crashes over the year that's for sure and uh, certainly cars much safer now but uh, definitely, you can uh, expect a a big big record too at Talladega. That's for sure. Yes, as well. And then with Wednesday, I did have something that's really uh, really crazy that happened to me when I was actually going to an Auburn women's basketball game. I was actually running a little late, and um, one of the basketball players, uh, I think it was Tracy uh, Tanner, she actually hold she was holding a ticket for me because I know it was like a big big game. And um, I actually got there just in time before tip-off, and, um, you know, it was her and her sister. Uh, They actually saw me, and they were asking before, you know, the the other fans, they were asking me why I came in why i came in the game so late and i said um i didn't know what time the game started so i told my dad that i was running uh 15 minutes late uh prior to to the game and uh, he actually put the medal to the pedal and and i got there just in time before 
the game actually started, and I actually made uh, the I made the Auburn women's basketball team one. Uh, we were actually playing against Alabama for that one as well, and uh, that was a really good moment that I will always keep in my heart as well. All right. Well, that was a that was certainly a moment then, and uh, and uh, I know that you were doing that for a, a wacky Wednesday story. I, I had heard you talk to to Brooks and the guys yesterday. So, uh, good stuff right there. Well, James, any final thoughts before we have to let you go today? Um, the only final thought is that I would like to see uh, my Dallas Cowboys play against your Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl this year as well. Uh, well, that would be so- something else. Uh, of course, uh, that. Uh, you know that did happen in the playoffs last year, uh, as your Cowboys uh, beat the Bucks. But again, can't happen in the Super Bowl. Got to happen in the NFC Championship game or earlier in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, no, I would love any opportunity to get in the playoffs, even if it doesn't go well for the Bucks again. But uh, yeah, we'll see if that ends up happening. All right, sounds good. And I'll talk to y'all guys on Thursday as well. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And uh, that will take us to our first timeout. And as we go to our first timeout of hour number two, I want to give you the opportunity for those that have been patiently waiting to call in right now to 334-887-3401, and you can claim two tickets to the Auburn-Georgia game. We only have two to give away. So first caller gets them, 334-887-3401 locally. You will get those two tickets to Auburn and Georgia. We'll take a timeout. Be back right after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. A big congratulations to Tina for calling in and winning two tickets to Auburn and Georgia. Look forward to seeing Tina here a little bit later this week. Uh, again, our office hours, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you ever want to stop by, say hello to us, or of course, sure. if you're winning the uh, various prizes. We will have more ticket giveaways again uh, throughout the week with various shows on Tiger 95.9, WQNR 99.9, KDFM, and then again at Sports Call AU on Twitter if you want to enter to win tickets there. 
Uh, we're doing one more giveaway for via Sports Call and, again, via our Sports Call Twitter account winner will be selected tomorrow, so still time to enter that at Sports Call AU. Of course, looking ahead towards this Auburn and Georgia game and just looking at the travails of the offense, let's talk a little bit more about the offensive situation. And, again, I have listened these past two days. Uh, I know, uh, Tom, that you were uh, kind of down with Holden Gardner if he ended up being the, the starter. Of course, we know that Hugh Freeze is still going to start Thorne yeah. uh, and, and see how that goes. Uh, what's the thinking there from, from that point of view, and, and what do you think about just how long you, you would be willing to wait to see somebody else there? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> well, and I was listening to, uh, to uh, Ferg when, when y'all had him on, and uh, I kind of agree with what he said is that it, it's probably going to be a quick hook for him. Uh, but now the decision also has to come down: Is it going to be is going to be Robbie or is it going to be Holden? Sure, and, that's know, an that, important follow up. Uh, that's you know, don't know. Um, For the I'm, record, I, hopefully you don't get there, but hopefully not. Ho- you know, hopefully Peyton Thorne uh, finally looks like the quarterback that we all hoped that he was going to be. Uh, but I mean, it's going to have to be some drastic improvements from what we have seen, and. Uh, and I think that's why I'm tempted to go a different route because we have now seen a four-game sample size, and we've seen two against Power 5 teams, and he has looked awful. Right. So, you know, you you can't keep doing what you're doing and and, and not improve because it'll end up being a disaster. Now, I also – the other thing that um, Justin Ferguson was saying that I agree with in – it's where I have to kind of back up my thoughts on it needs to be Holden Gurner or whatever is the fact that do you really want to disrupt things right now when you have an off week coming up? Like it, try to get through this game and see what you can do with it. If he looks terrible, then use that off week to kind of really reevaluate your quarterback situation. And then that way he's, there's a week there that they can work with whoever it's going to be. Um, so I don't mind Thorne being in there, um, but I, you know, it's going to have to be a quick hook. If if he is once again missing wide open wide receivers by not throwing the ball, if he is throwing the ball to wide open wide receivers and still airmailing them by ten or fifteen yards, these are the things that I, I you know I just I have a massive problem with. And at a certain point, you have to just realize if it is going bad. You, at a certain point, you just have to realize that he, he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have between the ears, and it's just. It's not it. It's not happening, and you have to move on and look towards the rest of the season and try to salvage something. That Cal game, again, becomes more regrettable in my eyes the more we get into this. And the reason is if you had had a good plan, because, again, I think it starts with the game planning in that one, just how quickly they went to Ashford, how much they were rotating. Like that was as much – coaching decision as it was game flow or just poor play by any one individual if you had had a better situation from going into it with Peyton Thorne is going to end up playing this amount of plays Robbie Astor is going to play in this package and this is how we're going to do it you'd gone into it like that then maybe there's a better success rate but also I think that's the point in time that confidence began to wane. Yeah. Not only in Peyton Thorne, but from Peyton Thorne. Right. And if you can get out of that game with confidence in both your quarterback, but confidence from your quarterback, then maybe this goes a different way against A&M. 
and at least maybe you get through more of this stretch without having to ask this question. And the question being, when do you go to who? <laughs> because ideally you never want to ask that question. Again, we were always asking that question in a sense of, okay, when do you go to Astrid for your package? Do you want the package? How much of it? Blah, blah, blah. But now you're having to ask who even runs the majority of the offense. And that's the question you're having to ask. And the difficulty is, is this is just not the time for it. Right. Like these are games that you could get decent quarterback play and still lose. Not to mention the fact they're incredibly tough teams because even after Georgia, you have the bye week, which is a logical time to change things. Well, guess what the guess what the test is after that? At LSU, like like Fun. it's it's a going to be an enti- the worst the, the yeah. most difficult worst environment on the road this year because you have the same. Uh, amount of fans essentially is A&M, but LSU decidedly still a more raucous environment, Tiger Stadium. And, and so that's not an ideal situation either. I think at some point enough is enough. You'll have to do it eventually if it comes to that. But and at least with, with LSU, their defense is not Georgia's defense. LSU is gave up 30 on their home field to Arkansas. Right. And, and no disrespect to Arkansas, I think that they did good game planning things in that, and they went more spread. They said, why are we? Why is K.J. Jefferson under center again? Uh, and so they, they yeah. went back to what made them successful the last couple of years, so credit them for doing that. Uh, but still, on your home field, giving up 30 points to a lower half SEC team is not going to put the fear of God in you from a defensive standpoint. But nevertheless, what will is Tiger Stadium, and Lord forbid it be a night game or something. Uh, and so the the reality is, is you've got to make a tough decision at some point. Again, I can still live with Thorne because, again, you put a decent amount of hope and trust into him. Again, we all at some point put another win on the win total because this guy was transferring in. So you want to see some of it through if you can. So let me ask about this person, Robbie Ashford. What's that role looking like? What's the update on what your feelings are towards? Do you want? Do you have any desire at all to say, "All right, here's the shotgun. Here's our running backs. Here's Robbie Ashford. Here's read option, or here is as much as much creative running as we can do <laughs> with Robbie Ashford." Like what? Like what's the Gosh. argument for that? How how does that come into play here? I don't even know at this point, right? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure uh, if I even am interested in seeing that because again, with the running, it becomes predictable. I mean, Robbie just there's no there's right. no way around it. He can't throw the ball, so you you have to throw the ball to be successful in this day and age of football. There's no way around it. So I I guess at that point no I don't have any interest I'd rather see see Holden get some minutes and or get some snaps and and see how how that plays out you know at least he's able to air it out and maybe he'll find you know he'll find the accuracy accuracy he'll he'll just get more comfortable because he'll he's getting the snaps maybe that's how that works out uh, I but with the Robbie package 
I I just don't see it working for consistent. Like I just don't see that consistently getting you the ability to win football I, games. I think that turns you into like a like a five six win football team. Yeah, I, maybe I, a six win football team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I because if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm I'm just stacking loading the box. I'm loading the box, and I'm just daring you to throw it because. We've seen the sample size from Robbie. We know he struggles throwing the ball. Again, I'll mention this, 42% passer last year. Um, so uh, that's why if, if it has to go back up, I, just for me, I think Gurner is, is your ticket just because he can throw the ball. He can also move. He's not, he's not just a statue. He can move, but you've got your stable of running backs that can run. So you've still got the ability to run the ball, but then you actually bring a true passing threat into the mix as well. And and like, like has been said, you know, if uh, you have to be able to throw the ball to win in this conference, I mean, really, you have to throw the ball to win in pretty much any conference in football these days. Sure. So, if you don't if you don't have that true threat, then it it becomes predictable, and really becomes pretty easy for a defense to just load the box and box and uh, just take away the run and dare you to throw it. Yeah, and look, I I still think that I wouldn't go all the way to you can't have a fair amount of wins and a fair amount of success with being all or most run no pass. But I certainly think there's a, a, a certain ceiling to it that does not allow you to get nearly as high as if you can spread it out, throw it a lot, that sort of thing. I think that you can do a lot of damage if you execute the run well and that sort of thing. But again, you're walking a thin line and you still have to have the threat. It's, it's, I, I think of the, the most successful two or three Malzahn teams, or even outside of the 13 team, the 17 team that ran really well with Carry On, or the 19 team that won nine games with, with freshman Bo Nix. And like those were still, we, we know what Malzahn was about, still a lot of run there. But obviously, the quarterbacks gave you the impression like, yes, they can have a big passing game if they need to. Uh, obviously, especially 17 Jared Stidham. And so. No one on this roster gives you that so far, unless we unless we're about to be wowed in an unexpected way. And again, I, I think it's incredibly disappointing because Peyton Thorne, I'm not going to go revisionist history. Again, he moved the needle in a lot of people's minds, the expectation wise, because there was a great year at Michigan State, and then there was a eh, you know, what okay, fine. Still better than what Auburn had the last few years was right. Peyton Thorne. Last year, what what they had had, I, I shouldn't say last few years, plural. I should say last year. Uh, obviously, we're you know up and down years with Bo Nix, but still, that was a, a in hindsight a better level than this. Uh, yes. So, and then obviously, what he's become in Oregon is a, is a whole different animal, uh, notably a duck versus a tiger. Anyway, so <laughs> I, again, this is the mind of someone striven seven hours today. But I, I will say this: um, what you've got is. A little bit you've got like one single thing that you like about these guys and then nothing else has been good about it right because i'll say the single thing i liked about holding gurner was even though it was two of seven it wasn't actually productive it was confident he was slinging it yeah right he 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 felt like he knew where he was going with the ball and he he delivered a football it just wasn't very <laughs> wasn't very accurate which is a very important part of it but again that's something that thorn was not doing right thorn was not sure of himself he was not confident it was not one two boom one right. two boom one two boom as in throwing the football and so i 
I, I, I like that about Gurner. I think that's also the or the it's the argument for and against him for Georgia because the argument for him is okay. Well, he might actually deliver a football in t- in terms of finding someone to throw to versus getting sacked six or seven times. But also, if you play him against Georgia, and then it, there's nothing he can do, he does get sacked a bunch. Does that ruin him towards the offensive line play? You get worried about it. You get worried that he's not going to be confident where he's going with the ball. Say Georgia maybe doesn't get sacked six or seven times, but maybe he throws a couple picks because Georgia's going to be ball hawking because they're good at defense. It's 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 just there's a no win scenario. That's why I'm interested to hear everyone's viewpoint on who they want to have a starter. If you want to give us a call three three four eight eight seven three four zero one on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, just because again it, it is I I'm not sold one hundred percent on anybody. And I'm also not not 100% against hearing any of the three outcomes, at least for another game, right? Like I, like I would say, I would say if if Tyler Buckner was magically transfer portaled midseason from Tuscaloosa to Auburn, you know what I would say? I would say send him to Troy. Yeah, Yeah. send him to to, send him back. Send him up to Birmingham. Is is Jacob Zeno good enough for UAB? I, I would want no part of Tyler Buckner. I know what he is. He's not a starter at the Power 5 level. These guys are trending in that direction, and we've already kind of felt that way, as a, certainly as a pastor about Ashford, but the running is something that if you've got nothing else, at least that's something. But, it again, it's been it's been rough at the quarterback position, no doubt about that. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, a little more Auburn, talk other elements of the team as they get set for the Georgia game. And a little bit later, coming up, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. And at 5.15, <coughs> Joe Barnell of Rotowire will join us as we'll talk all things fantasy. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the show. TP now stepping out to go help Brooks as uh, he will be on the high school coaches show tonight. Interviewing some of the great high school coaches in the area. Again, that's from 6 p.m. to 8 or 8.30. The End Zone Bar and Grill will be right after our show here on Tiger 95.9. A few more minutes left in the hour. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Jeff, as always, appreciate you calling in today, and uh, we're it's game week for us, brother. It is. It is that. Man, hasn't been a 
whole lot of talk from Steve about, oh, we're going to kick the puppies and all that stuff like that. <laughs> but that, you know, dude, I tell you, it's, uh, uh, man, I hope have Spurrier say it. He did it to Georgia all the time. He'd, he'd like to uh, hang a half a hundred on him. I'd sure hope that happens this weekend. Uh-huh. But um, uh, that's, uh, you know, our offense, a little bit slow starting off, but I think once we'll get it, you know, We'll see how that run defense is, I believe. You know, we'll just keep fresh backs in and stuff. But, hey, going to your question on this uh, about who do you start and stuff like that, uh, I, unlike you all, I do not put a lot of trust into, you know, you think people in charge are supposed to be smarter than you, but that's not the way life is. You know, it's a, somebody got – people can get there for other reasons, you know. And so uh, I would think you'd have to start Gurner. And here's my thoughts on that. Okay. Okay. What are you going to do next year? You've got what? This guy White coming in, right? right? Yeah, Walker yeah. White uh, coming in. Okay. And I don't think you have any others, right? And so next year you're going to have White, Gurner, and I guess Ashford and uh, um, uh, Thorne will be back. But you don't want Ashford or Thorne. You've proven that, right? So – you're going to go get a transfer, okay? So White, so Thorne and Ashford will either, well, Ashford will probably change position, and Thorne will, I don't know, he may just go away. Isn't he a fifth-year senior? Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. he does have one more year of eligibility, though, yeah. Okay, but so maybe he just gives up on football, okay? So then you've got Gurner, White, and a transfer. Okay, uh, so what are you going to do next year? Are you going to start a true freshman in white? Hopefully, I mean, you can go and get a transfer that actually works out this time, unlike Finley, Calzada, Thorne, all you know the past ones, right? So, what do you? Uh, so you've got to get Gurner, you know at least to be a good backup next year, right? So you need to play him. That That is my thinking. What do you all think? I mean, I, I think there's still, though, plenty of time to assess what holding Gurner is uh, without having to play him this week, though. I mean, there's still okay. pl- plenty of reputable tests remaining. Obviously, the Iron Bolt at the end, the LSU game off the bye week, uh, and, and even someone like Ole Miss. So I, I – I don't think you have to get there yet, but I think that, look, you're still trying to – you want your best quarterback to play. It's unfortunate that you're still in the assessment process of that four games in, uh, and I, I really don't even know what the – I don't think anyone uh, very uh, with, with much conviction knows what that answer is right now. Well, and I guess maybe I didn't understand the question because – you're right. Probably against Georgia, you know, uh, you know, just go, you know, Thorne started the past four games, let him start because you can always rotate, you know, you, you can always, always, always rotate quarterbacks in. Okay. So yeah, start Thorne. But I thought your question was maybe going on the rest of the year. I mean, if you, you know, given up on Thorne or given up on Ashford, I mean, or, 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 you know, who would you? I just think it's best if you're if you 
the season's already down, you know, and you put Thorne in and he still doesn't produce the numbers you need or, or you know, yeah, it was pretty rough. I mean, the passing game. And I, uh, do, do you keep doing that? Like you say, you're going to have LSU, Alabama, even Ole Miss. Well, Ole Miss, maybe the defense will give you a break there. But um, you're going to have all these other teams. So are you going to make sure that I, – I think you said that. You're going to make sure that Gurner has enough playing time so that he is ready for next year. Because, seriously, you don't think – you don't count on uh, Thorne or Ashford starting next year, do you? No. No, I mean, well, certainly not at this rate. I mean – we're still. I mean, yep. uh, there is some balancing to this too, and, and as gloom as it is, there's still two thirds of the season to remain. So, I mean, I, again, it's not a likely outcome, but it's still possible that Thorne were to turn it around and look more like Michigan State Thorne and that sort of thing. It's just not not likely, and not likely given the competition coming up. But uh, yeah, no, I, I again, the question was for this week, but but that is going to be okay. bye week fodder for for next week of. Okay, now let's see what the Georgia performance was. All right, still not good. Okay, now what do you do? And I think the answer does become clearly Gurner at that point. But I'm saying that, yes, for this week, I think it's still very much a debate because you don't have the bye week yet. This is a very important game. You are at home. You're trying to keep it close. What can you do? That sort of thing. And and what's the best way to try and piece together any semblance of an offense? Yeah, and look. Like I say, just watch, watching from the or from what I watched the game last year or last week against Texas A and M. If I were Kirby Smart, which I'm not because I don't make that much money, but wouldn't it be simple enough to say just spin, just blitz, and that's going to take care of? It. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I I I, I mean Texas A and M. They've had they've recruited their defense. They've recruited so well. And we were wondering which team we were going to see. They, but I just don't think Auburn's offensive line can, you know, uh, can can stop the 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 rush, let alone the blitz from, from Georgia. And surely they watched the game and seen the film, and so they should be in the backfield. I'm thinking all day long. So heck, Gurner may have to play just for for lack of having anybody else by the time the third quarter runs around. Well, the biggest thing I'll say for that is, uh, you know, if Peyton Thorne's in there and, and Georgia's doing that, then you know, hopefully that – if they pin their ears back and come at him like that, hopefully that benefits him by being able to maybe make some quick short throws and maybe get himself into a passing rhythm. I, I would, but he didn't do that against – He didn't that? do that against Texas A&M. Well, I mean, no, that, that was not the game plan, I guess. Uh they need to figure out a way to make that part of the game plan. Uh, him, him sitting in the pocket, him sitting in the pocket, and and trying to throw the ball fifty yards downfield doesn't seem to be working very well. So maybe the short intermediate things are the, and especially if if Georgia decides to start blitzing a lot, maybe that's the ticket to get him in some sort of a rhythm. Okay, I I think if they blitz enough that he he, he might not be thinking of, uh, too coherently. That's, oh, that's too very, many shots. But, but dang, that's I don't want anybody possible. to get hurt. But I mean, that that would be what I'd do. I mean, I'd make them, I'd, I'd make them run the ball, and I'd I'd send everybody in there because he just, like you say, I don't think he has any trust in the offensive line, and uh, or 
I don't know. You you all said that he had plenty of time. A lot of the time, I didn't see a lot of a lot of a lot of time. You know, there were a few passes where he had a receiver open and stuff. But I mean, they were in the backfield all day long. Yeah, that, I, I'm just. I, I know. I know there were there were definitely times that he he had the time, he had the pocket, and he bailed out of the pocket when it was there. Uh, and then guys were breaking open, and he's busy running off to the side. And it's like you know, the pocket is there if you just wait at least one more second and and anticipate. There's a guy wide open and another guy streaking, you know, open inside the thirty. If you just sit there for that one more second and and anticipate these guys coming open, then you can do that. But you can't bail too early, and, and you know the pocket was there. Uh, I don't I don't know the answer. Uh, and then I also you know I don't know exactly what the game plans are going to be for either of the teams coming in here. If I'm Georgia, I'm, I'm definitely looking at at trying to do some stunts and some things like that, and and really confuse a, a you know inexperienced offensive line and try to. Uh, confusing inexperienced quarterback as far as playing against Georgia's defense. Um, so, but then, you know, in Auburn, as part of that chess match is you got to figure out a way to combat that. Yeah. And see, that's the one thing that worries me. This sets up perfectly for Georgia. I mean, they've got the defense, they dang, you know, and Auburn's offense is sputtering and stuff like that. So that means Auburn will win by three touchdowns. <laughs> I'm sure. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, but, Hey, I just wanted to call uh, real quick. Um, is what was his name? Max Johnson. For Max Johnson. Texas yes. A&M? Yes. Uh, is he going to start this week? Do you know? Yes. Yeah, Wag- yeah. Wagman might be out for the year. I think yeah. they announced yeah. that he is out yeah. for the yeah. year. Yes, he is. He out. broke it. Broke a bone in his foot. Uh, a yeah. weight bearing bone in his foot was actually fractured in that did, injury. Did he? Man, goodness gracious! I, I, man, I was about this when he got up. You could tell he was hurting, and I go, man, why don't they have an injury timeout or something? You know, get him out of there. You know, because you could tell he, gosh, I man had a broken leg and still playing football. That's crazy. So broken bone, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, like, hey, that may be your next uh, quarterback transfer next year, right? Oh boy, yeah. That's what, <laughs> yeah. yeah <I> <laughs> all right. Well, then, hey, you all have a good week. If I. If, if y'all say something that gets me real riled up, I'll give y'all a call back. But dang, uh, um, Ryan, I hate you drove all the way down there and took all that time off to see what you saw. Down oh the yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't worry about me. I, I really and truly enjoy that area a lot, and and uh, I know the game didn't go well, but but yeah, no, I still had a good time. You know, uh, Ryan, I don't know if I told you this. My father was stationed at MacDill Air Force Base for a couple of years down there. So I lived in Tampa. Okay. And then my grandparents lived off of Barris Avenue down there. So I spent, I remember the old Bucks, the old, uh, uh, you know, my when we were down there, I saw Vinny Testaverde play. Oh, you know, well, that's unfortunate. He's going to be the savior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> it was. Well, we thought it was going to be the savior. Sure. We thought it was going to be the savior. That's the way it happens. But, um, hey, you all have a, a great show, and I will talk to you all probably later on this week. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time here for hour number two, but stay tuned. A lot ahead in hour number three. We will have Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire on at 515 to talk some NFL and some fantasy 
and some other things coming up. And also the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. On the other side of this timeout, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here to uh, start this 5 o'clock hour. Again, Joe Bartle of Rotowire coming up at just after 5.15. We've got a couple phone calls to get to here on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, so let's get right to it. Next up on the show is Trent. Trent, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. Got a nice cruising uh, here on 85, but got some time to talk to you guys. Sounds good. Got something to get off my chest. Sure. Georgia is not a juggernaut. All right. Georgia is vulnerable, and Georgia can be beat. Are we the team to do it? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm tired of everybody hyping up Georgia. So Georgia is beatable. Georgia is vulnerable. Georgia is not the Georgia that they were the past two years. They haven't played nobody, and I'm not impressed by them. If we're going to beat them, we, this is probably the chance to do it. We owe Georgia some severe payback. It's about time. Maybe, we, maybe or not we have the team to do it, but it's not so much that we have to beat Georgia. It's Georgia has to beat us, and they have to beat us at home. Pressure's on them, not on us. You know, If you look at the odds on it, yeah, that favors Georgia. Who does that give you motivation to uh, to come about to come about and change the things? That's Auburn. Auburn can be a motivator and change things around. Auburn's got everything going against them because everybody's betting against them. They've got nothing to lose. Georgia's got everything to lose. So the pressure's all on them. So you can take advantage of that. You can change take advantage of that by placing them in a hostile environment. You can make some things. You can do some things. Take some risk and do some things against them that you can't regularly do with a game that's kind of on the line. If you go right at them and you punch them in the mouth and you get this thing started right off the bat and establish the run, it's going to change the, uh, it's going to change the way the flow, the flow is going to go. Now, that's not easy. We got an advantage because Georgia runs kind of a 3-4 traditionally, which usually gives if there's three guys on the line and three, and three or four linebackers that are going to come head at you. If you simplify your plan and execute your offensive boldly and quit trying to do this check-read crap, I think you got a chance to get something going offensively. Defensively, I like our odds against them going, uh, going against them. I think we got a pretty good chance. And this game is going to be one of two ways. 
it's going to come down to the wire, nails biting, prayer Jordan hair kind of thing going for us, or it's going to be a complete blowout. It just depends on whether or not we figured out what kind of Auburn team wants to show up this week. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I really agree with what you said. <clears throat> I mean, Georgia has that they they really start off slow. They have a lot of questions on offense, and uh, if Auburn's defense can play at the level that we've seen them play uh, this season, then they can. Auburn will definitely be in this game. Uh, the big question is Georgia's defense. They are really really good. We've seen this Auburn offense struggle mightily already against defenses that are not as good. So. Uh, it's going to be weird, but no, I I really do think that Georgia uh, is vulnerable in some in some spots, and and you obviously obviously have to give Auburn the advantage being here at home. Yeah, so I mean the things that have got us, I think, have gotten us the past few games is we're too we're too checking too much, we're thinking too much, and we got to run a simple plan, especially against their schemes because Georgia's scheme is awesome. Kirby Smart has always kind of had Gus Malzahn figured out. I don't know. He's probably got, you know, Hugh Freeze figured out by now, even though he hasn't played him. But he's always come with a good game plan. I think we got a chance if we keep a simple plan and execute a simple plan. Be prepared to, you know, take and concede some down, you know, some some um, some some three and outs as long as we maintain some type of consistency and we don't make mistakes. It's going to take a no mistake game. And a kind of conservative play, boldly executed to win this thing. But I just really would get everybody off this bandwagon of how good Georgia is. They're vulnerable, and we've got a chance. Probably not a good chance, but we've got a chance. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. If there's a fighting chance, then then you got to take advantage of it. And I, I agree, Georgia is vulnerable in some spots, but it's definitely not going to be easy. Uh, that's for darn sure. Although it does make for good games because Auburn is all about the heart attack games and, uh, you know, don't have a pacemaker and be an Auburn fan. It's not not healthy for you. Yeah. That's about all I got to say. Wish you guys the best and War Eagle. War Eagle, appreciate that phone call. That is Trent calling us from on the road, going down to I-85 there. Yeah, look, no, I think there's some truth in that for sure. I, I still think that Georgia just – a, a much better team at this juncture. I mean, what we've seen at Auburn in, in P5 competition, I, I, I think Auburn's got to rely a lot on uh, the defense and then also the crowd and, and trying to disrupt Georgia into big mistakes, not just little mistakes of a not converting a third and seven, like a turnover type of mistake or uh, a field position changing dynamic. Because, uh, again, I think there is some respect being shown, obviously, when you look at betting-wise. Some people said Georgia's only favored by 14 and, and that sort of thing. Well, I think that goes into uh, the, the Jordan-Hare dynamic and that Auburn's defense has been incredibly capable so far. Again, holding A&M down to six at half. like That's something that can translate, especially at home. The problem is, is that just like with any situation, if you start going three and out, Georgia is going to start to lean on Auburn. And then it doesn't matter what's running backs in the game. Yep. They're going to start moving Auburn two, three, four, five yards off the line of scrimmage. They might do some of that early anyway, but they will certainly start doing it if Auburn goes three and out a couple times, starts getting into the game that way. Uh, and, and so for me, if Auburn wants a chance, it's got to be one of those dynamics where they've got to start strong. They, they can't get down seven, ten points and work their way back into it, I don't feel – 
uh, unless they find something shocking with the offense and start to, to finally find momentum multiple drives. Where I think that they, uh, for for the rest factor, the defense, for physicality of Georgia, uh, for the confidence, they've got to start off strong. If Georgia goes down the field, starts the game off with a touchdown, uh, that's a no-go. If Auburn goes three and out, first two or three possessions, that's a no-go. Uh, so they've got to find a way to harness this crowd early and often, uh, but but ultimately it's just it's a very daunting challenge uh, because I thought Auburn was going to lose this game before the season, and I'm certainly not feeling better about yeah the that, confidence that, has that four games and, and yeah. regardless of what Georgia like you can you can say oh yeah Georgia's not the team last year I agree with you. I still think they're one of, if not the best team in the country, I, until tier, proven otherwise. Two tiers better than uh, exactly, and so. Auburn has showed sure the record is not shocking like again I've said this team would win seven games three and one through four with these like certainly not different than what I thought it would be from a record perspective but from an optic standpoint it is far different uh, and that is what's very troubling and concerning we do have retired Ward name Steve on the line we're going to wait uh, I know I told Steve beforehand that we would get to him before but uh, we only have a couple minutes before we got to get Joe Bartle, so we'll get to retire Ward and Steve. After the Joe Bartle interview, we'll still have time for that. Just uh, I know Steve's out there listening, so want to go ahead and take care of that because we got to take a break here in about two minutes. But, again, I just think from the optic standpoint of the way the season started, it feels even more daunting now than it was. If Auburn had lost a weirdly high-scoring game to A&M, then you would say, it, well, yeah, I could see Georgia's offense messing Absolutely. a few things up. And then I could see Auburn scoring some points, uh, enough points at home and that sort of thing because Georgia's allowed points to, to lesser competition. But you also got to be careful of – and look, the South Carolina game is the first clue that, okay, maybe Georgia is, is far off last year. But you do also have to remember this about Georgia. They very much are getting bored with their lower competition. Yeah. Last year, they only beat Kent State 39-22. And they beat Sanford like 34-0 or something like that, 36-0, right. something like that. They're very much starting to just play around with their food a little bit. And that may not carry as much water this year because it is a different team, different quarterback. Mike Bobo exists, and he's calling plays now. Like, I get there's there's reasons to, to be more skeptical marks. this yeah. year. But it's not reason to think that, oh, all of a sudden <laughs> they're not some top yeah. five or ten team. It's not a thing that yeah. they're any less talented. Right. So – Again, I think there's some truth there, but also I don't think it goes to the extreme of, yeah, Auburn, you know, feels feels confident going in. No, I don't see any re- any reason other than I, I would be leaning on that defense and that crowd uh, coming up for a path to this game. Uh, but the quarterback thing is real, and, and I know Trent was talking scheme and 3-4. is like, oh, well, the four, I mean, they still will come down and run support, yeah. and they still – the way Auburn uh, it has been one-dimensional, it will not be tough to figure out what Auburn's trying to do. And it, that's a high execution level required. Again, Auburn has run block better than pass block. So you do have some room there in run block to to, to make a few plays. But again, the more, the more inability to throw you show, the more people they put in that box – and the tougher it is, and, and Georgia's still very, very good up front, even despite losing guys like Jalen Carter. Like they're still going to be able to to cause negative plays and certainly prevent big ones. So, 
it, it's a it's an incredible challenge for sure. Even if Georgia is not uh, the 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 dominating team so far that they were last year, especially in those those big power conference matchups we're going to take our next time out of the show when we come back joe bartle of rotowire will join us he'll have some thoughts for us on the fantasy world and the nfl a little bit after that we'll have more calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line including retired name steve a busy wednesday afternoon continues on the show right after this Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, and now we are pleased to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire here for all of your fantasy football needs. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you this afternoon? No, I'm doing a lot better after uh, Damian Lillard comes to Milwaukee. That's, that's a great deal for my buck. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that is uh, that is right. You obviously pack Packers, but Brewers, you're all things Wisconsin there, and uh, that is a decidedly big pickup, and Admittedly, that's the first time we've talked or mentioned it today, but you're right. That was a earth-shattering NBA trade there. Well, how dare you guys uh, not uh, not talk at my bucks? This is this is ridiculous. This is, I understand why I have to come on more now. Just to <laughs> yeah. make sure we get the bucks talk in there. No, this is this is a huge deal. Uh, we we here in the Wisconsin area love Drew Holiday. Uh, I wish him the best wherever we end up going. And it, it was tough to see him go in that deal, though. That that was going to be what happens. That or Chris Middleton. Um, and it's. I think this is a ceiling raiser for a team that already had title expectations and changes the trajectory of the NBA because Giannis theoretically would be willing to resign more, and he was already in the rumors uh, to possibly leaving elsewhere. So this is a, a big, big thing for Wisconsin sports in general and certainly the NBA. It certainly is, and it'll be something to watch out for. Again, one of the title contenders, recent uh, recent title, obviously, trying to get a second one with Giannis, and uh, that will certainly help that. But obviously, Joe, we got to talk a lot of fantasy football here, and I'm going to start off with a team and a situation that I absolutely, under no circumstance, thought we'd be talking much about this year. And it's not that the team's all of a sudden good, because they're not going to have a good year, but at least from a fantasy impact. The Houston Texans are intriguing me a little bit more because C.J. Stroud has been actually more than competent to start the year. So how does that affect uh, guys like Tank Dell, who all of a sudden had a buck fifty receiving, uh, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, some of their skill position players? How does his positive impact uh, affect the rest of the Texans? Yeah, two months ago, you know, doing the fantasy sports coverage, and that's 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 fantasy draft season for a lot of people, and that's when. Uh, us in the industry and the experts are really diving into things. Two months ago, I never would have anticipated uh, I would ever lead a radio, radio segment talking about the Texans' offense. But not only am I doing it, it makes sense, too, because you're right. Uh, C.J. Stroud was one of the more popular wave-wear pickups this week because for three weeks into the season, he's, I think, either quarterback six or seven uh, in in like a normal scoring leagues. And if you have the six points per touchdown, he might even be higher, too. So he's been fantastic. Uh, and you mentioned Tank Dell as well, too. Another popular wave of wear pickup, Nico Collins. 
was a round 11 receiver uh, who you're kind of hoping, uh, well, hey, by default, he's going to be a number one receiver for a team, so that's why you have fantasy value. But it's not like any of these guys are super household names. In fact, the one fantasy relevant player for the Texans entering the season was Damian Pierce, the running back, who has been incredibly disappointing. Um, I had talked about this pretty extensively on the Tuesday Waiver Wire podcast, and uh, you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. I, I want to temper expectations for C.J. Stroud a little bit. I, I liked him coming out of college. I liked him far more than Bryce Young. Uh, I didn't really want to admit that because uh, if you say a hot take like that, sometimes it gets taken the wrong way or anything else. And if I'm wrong, oh boy. But uh, I was pretty confident that Stroud looked really good uh, and would function in the NFL the way I would assume a quarterback of his stature and uh, ability with his, I'm sorry, with his arm and mobility would look like. And it's been awesome to see. I, I don't know if I believe in Tank Dell so much. I mean, at 5'6", there's historically not been many receivers at his height and weight that can play a full season. Right now, through three weeks, he's got 15 points uh, in PPR leagues last week, and then 20, I think, uh, the week before, or reverse those around. Either way, he's been awesome. Nico Collins has been awesome. I, I think there is interest for Stroud in the Texans' offense. However, it's the Steelers' defense this week, and I, I think if Stroud does it this week, I'm in. Uh, but I'm anticipating Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt really to take advantage of that banged-up offensive line for the Texans. Joe, uh, looking to the New Orleans Saints, Alvin Kamara coming off a three-game suspension going to face Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, they law, uh, the Saints lost Derek Carr due to an injury. Not sure how long that's going to be before he gets back, but he did avoid season-ending injury. Uh, so they have Jameis back under center now. Uh, so how do you think that's going to affect uh, skill players, and then how do you think Kamara is going to factor in? Do you think he'll be back to his usual self, or, or it might take a while for him to get going? Yeah, it's a really good point with the Jameis Winston part because if it was Derek Carr under center for the Saints, and, and to be fair, he's right now listed as questionable. They haven't ruled him out yet for uh, Sunday's game against the Buccaneers, but I agree with you. I anticipate he won't be out there and, and probably will miss some time, not just this week, but for future weeks. So Winston under center for the, for the Saints. I mean, we saw last year he didn't really check down as much uh, as you were hoping for, and if you had Elvin Kamara last year, it was a pretty disappointing fantasy season. That's, that's kind of my expectations right now. Jamal Williams is on injured reserve. That would have been another guy that could take away some of the receiving workload or at least some snaps. That helps. But Kendra Miller uh, looked pretty good in his rookie debut against the Packers last week. Tony Jones also is still going to be a factor. I think they're going to bring on Camaro a little bit slowly to start the season, so I'm not comfortable starting him against the Buccaneers. Uh, you look at the over-under for that game, too, 40.5 points. It's one of the lower ones on the week four slate. But once Derek Carr does come back, uh, I think Camaro could end up being – at least like a flex play, uh, a guy that you're saying, I'm, I'm hoping I get at least 10 points out of him. And I'm hoping a lot of that comes from the pass-catching game, which is where Derek Carr would thrive more than Jameis Winston. Looking now at the Miami Dolphins, uh, I've got a couple of questions here about them. Obviously, they are also putting up just silly uh, numbers and silly fantasy numbers. Uh, if you're a fantasy owner, though, do you have to kind of not go knee-jerk reaction uh, when you start looking at a guy like uh, like Ashane, obviously two is going to put up his numbers, but it seems like there's so many guys out there. Do you have to be concerned that they spread it around so much that you might take a flyer on a guy and not get the production because there's just so many guys out there? Yeah, Devon HN was kind of the, the biggest topic on Wave Wire shows, and I was arguing there's no way I'm going anywhere near him at the price tag that I would imagine people are going for. To me, he's just valuable in the sense that he's the backup to Raheem Mostert, who, by the way, is also going fantasy crazy. I think he's running back three right now uh, and equally had a crazy production 
and played in the majority of the snaps and when the game was relatively close. It was uh, Devon Chen that got the workload in the fourth quarter. Of course, the Broncos' defense utterly quit at that point, so he got uh, a lot of production from it. And he's really fast. I mean, like, he's a bad player uh, by, uh, by any means. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you do have to temper your expectations. And I would sooner assume the Dolphins will continue to ball, move the ball through the air. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle should be back uh, after missing last week with a concussion. Like That's the way that offense functions. And Raheem Mostert in the running game is an extension uh, to allow the passing game to open up. If you shut down the running game, I think the, the passing game actually becomes a little more difficult uh, to cover in that sense because you can't invest resources defensively to stop both both things. So I, I'm pretty confident that so long as two is healthy, you're starting every one of the pass catchers. Uh, I actually have some interest, even though a guy like Cedric Wilson or Braxton Berrios, especially now that uh, Rivercraft or, or uh, Carcraft, River Carcraft, is going to be an injured reserve that was the Dolphins' number three receiver. I mean, that's the level in which the offense is right now. That in deeper leagues, I think you can say, hey, third or fourth receiver for the Dolphins, you're going to get X amount of opportunities. That matters to me in fantasy, especially uh, early season, where I feel like some of these games are kind of low scoring, at least relative to the expectations. So, Joe, each and every week, I feel like until he just starts humming along, I might have to do like a Joe Burrow pulse check uh, and just figure <laughs> out like where you're at at in terms of if he if it's just not going to be a year for him because of injuries and everything going on. So this week they do get a win over Phil or over LA. Excuse me. It was not overly impressive from the fantasy standpoint, though, for Joe Burrow. Obviously, Jamar Chase had another great game. But uh, where are you right now on, on Burrow's health and, and what the Bengals can be this year and, and what he can be in fantasy? So I thought I saw a report almost uh, right before I jumped on with you guys or a little bit before that Joe Burrow was either a full participant in Wednesday's practice or he was limited, listed as limited, but did everything uh, that you would want him to do from a practice perspective. So that's great. Uh, the, the concern playing Monday was not just what happens if you were to get hit, but is there going to be a setback that occurs after playing this? I mean, he's had at least at this point two setbacks, getting back to the injury that occurred early in the preseason, so that there was no setback is huge. I think the bigger deal for Joe Burrow's fantasy status is what you mentioned just a bit ago, is that they used Jamar Chase the way they did. I mean, I, I have not been super high on Zach Taylor. Uh, I go back to... When they made to the Super Bowl, it felt like they were dragging Zach Taylor along and the defense got some opportunistic turnovers and yada yada. Uh, and I didn't think Zach Taylor was all that good. And last year, I was confirmed to that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they start out 0-2. Clearly the Bengals uh, were one-hit wonder. Zach Taylor is not that good of a head coach. And he adjusted midseason and made the Bengals one of the, uh, the forefront guys in the AFC that could compete for the Super Bowl when I thought there was no shot. So I, I'm trying not to just revert back to what I thought about Zach Taylor because he's proven me wrong before, and I thought Monday night did the same thing. Other offenses, lesser coaches, would have just relied on the same scheme, what hasn't been really working, not really changing too much, but I thought that looked like a night and day different offense for the Bengals. Maybe that was a necessity to keep Joe Burrow safe, to give him a quick read right away, and Jamar Chase is just that good, or it could be Zach Taylor and the offense, the coordinators and coaches saying, okay, we sucked the first two weeks of the season. What can we do to get better? It's moving our star players around like Jamar Chase. I, I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. So I actually feel better about uh, Burrow's fantasy status moving forward because I saw Jamar Chase do what he did Monday night. Talking to Joe Barnell of Roto-Wire today on Sports Call. Let Joe and the great team at Roto-Wire help you with all of your fantasy needs. couple more for you, Joe. This question, I have no idea where the, what the answer will be, so that's why I'm, I'm curious to ask it. There may not be a good answer. That's perfectly fine, too. 
So Falcons, Jaguars in in England. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of a historical data that suggests that games overseas are higher or lower scoring and, and might impact you positively or negatively? Is there any sort of credence to these other overseas games in terms of the fantasy world and if there might be a, a big opportunity because of the travel, meaning, hey, defense not going to show up or maybe offense doesn't show up? Is there any at all correlation to any of that? Yeah, you must have read my article. Uh, I, I post an article every, every uh, I guess, Tuesday now at this point, the big betting sheet. I, I tweet out JB Fantasy Sports. I go over every over-under uh, and talk about every spread as well, too. Right now, Jacksonville is only favored by three points, this being a neutral field. Vegas would say that uh, Jacksonville is just a three-point favor as opposed to if this was in Atlanta or whatever else. Um, I, I, I did do a little bit of analytical data on, on the London games, but I, I was like looking at last year's Packers-Giants game and a few of those other ones. I'm like, well, wait, I understand having a small sample size and having to go by team, but Jacksonville's the only team in the NFL that has been multiple times throughout multiple seasons of the past three or four years. Like We could actually just compile this data and see what Jacksonville's been able to do. And I, I think they're, they covered the over-under in three of the four games, in the fourth one they didn't, there was just weather conditions that were happening there at the time. Uh, so I, I actually feel pretty confident that Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and Kelvin Ridley specifically are going to get going because Jacksonville knows what to do in these scenarios. More importantly, they play their next week as well, too, and I think that actually could be a, a bigger difference from a travel perspective. So maybe it's not this week that's the huge beneficiary for Jacksonville's offense, but it will be next week. Uh, when they're going to have that uh, advantage, like to the point where I'm surprised the NFL allows a team to have a continental traveling advantage the way they do. I know teams could just travel out Tuesday or Wednesday, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very big difference. And the over-under has typically uh, hit the over, at least when Jacksonville's been playing in past years. At this point, London Jaguars, question mark? Are, they, are we going to are we gonna do that one day? Sooner gonna... rather than later. I mean, I, mean, I think I saw a, a poll, by the way, that was like, 50% of the city of Jacksonville's uh, that, uh, residents that were polled didn't even care if they were if they if it, their financial support was the difference in them staying or leaving something like that like I think it's I think it's sad because NFL is such uh, of all the places like it's very cool to have NFL franchise I would kill for anything professional in the state of Alabama and, and so I think it's sad that, that Jacksonville does not care at all, but they do not seem to care at all. And and this is why they play in London every year. Anyway, uh, Joe Bartle, RotoWire with us. Joe, tell us, uh, tell us and all the listeners about the great things going on at RotoWire and all the podcasts that you're involved in, the SiriusXM show, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a busy time of the year for me. So you mentioned it uh, every Friday from 8 to 10 Eastern, I do SiriusXM Radio. Uh, we break down every single game uh, from a fantasy perspective, all the injury reports that come out on Fridays. What does that mean for your teams? That's Channel 87. Um, every Tuesday, we do the RoadWire NFL podcast. It's waiver wire focused. So in this case, Devon Achan. We talked about uh, Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnston quite a bit because of the Mike Williams injury that had just uh, been reported on Tuesday. Uh, for the record, I'm in on Quentin Johnston uh, as the guy that really benefits if Mike Williams is out. We'll have to see. You know, uh, Jordan Aston's look great. Dave Flowers has looked great. We haven't really seen Jackson Smith and Jig, but, but Quentin Johnston literally hasn't been on the field, so he could be the biggest beneficiary uh, and certainly needs to as a first-round pick this year. And then, uh, obviously, I, I have the, the writing content out right now, and I talked about the, the big betting sheet that I do. It's every, uh, every over-under, every spread as well, too. I throw some prop bets, uh, some you know teasers, things like that. It's all on there. Uh, I think right now you could just Google best bets for NFL uh, Week Four, and I'm going to be on one of the top links there. Uh, it's it's been doing pretty good numbers recently, but 
uh, yeah, you can follow my Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports as well. That's Joe Bartle of Roto Wire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated, uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing about that brand new Damian Lillard jer- jersey that you're about to buy. Oh, you bet! I have to save up for it, but we'll get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> absolutely, I, I, absolutely. We appreciate the time today, Joe. We look forward to talking again next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of Roto Wire today on Sports Call. Always appreciate Joe. Uh, for joining the show each and every week. We're going to take another time out. When we come back, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're Tyler Ward, AMC. will join us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, now turning into evening. Again, want to remind you that the High School Coaches Show coming up at 6 o'clock from the Enzo Bar and Grill. Brooks Childress, the host, will be joined by T.P. Hammock, and they'll talk to you about all the great high school action going on so far this season and coming up this week, and including with some of the great high school coaches in this area. We want to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for now, though, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Well, I'm doing good. Um, welcome back. It's good to hear your voice, and I understand that you've dried out in Tampa uh, Bay game. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we are... We are dry now, and uh, you know it. That is about the hardest it's rained on me. So it was, it was not ideal. But uh, you know, I, it honestly, it, I, <laughs> I was ready for a loss, and so I was ready for everything that went with that. So it was all good. It was all good. Okay, so I, I just wanted. I was curious. Uh, does Hurts provide rental canoes? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to ask Tom Brady that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get to it, guys. And you are appreciated. For allow me uh, to get on after uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Bart, uh, Bartle, yeah. yes. Uh, because you could just put me in for five minutes, and that'd been fine. All right, let's get to it, guys. You know, uh, I, I, I agreed a great, a great degree with uh, some of Trent's uh, sentiments and uh, comments, um, and then there was 
a part of it that I say, well, hold on now, not so fast, Trenton. You know, yes, I, I, I do think we have a chance. It appears some computers give us a 30% chance. Others, of course, have wild computer. But if you heard my, uh, it's called the uh, computer uh, geeks anyway, uh, computer football nerds, they have us actually winning 30.7, 30.6. I said, wow. Okay. Uh, it's interesting how these computers with the same data come up with different uh, predictions. But here's what I'm getting at. You know, uh, Coach Freeze, at the very beginning, and has said that since they mean, uh, when he was hired, uh, asked fans, all fans, to be patient. And I've, I'm willing to be patient. However, Coach, I'd say to him right now, give us, give us some hope as we're being patient. And give us something to be hopeful about. And, guys, um, you may see it differently, but so far I've not seen anything that is having me feel to be hopeful yeah, not not based off of uh, anything on the field, and certainly not offensively. I think that if you're trying to put together a, a case for hope, then you're focused around the fact that the defense has been pretty good. Uh, that I, they've been really, honestly, better as a as a total unit than I thought they would. Uh, they've been a plus. Not not only have they not been a minus, I think they've been an active plus and been playing really good football so far. And then also, if you're just talking long term, big picture, then you're still hopeful about the recruiting and, and about the, the fact that they have gotten on the right track there. They still have more they need to do, uh, but they have landed a couple of marquee guys. They've got a, a big-time quarterback coming in next year, and there's there's certainly hope on the recruiting trail. So, yeah, but, but I mean, I, I understand certainly that on the field and especially offensively, uh, there's, there's, there's not been much of it all success there, and, and there's not been uh, more than just a couple of players that have stood out in a positive way. Well, when I use that word hopeful, I mean, I, I'm looking for something tangible. You know, yeah, we we probably will lose games. But I remember with Coach John, when he first came in, he gave us hope because even though that first year we lost, man, that team didn't get blown out. They they kept fighting. And you know, right now, you know, I just don't see the performance that we're seeing that tells us we're making progress, we're going to lose. But, you know, hey, we're getting there. And here's what I'm coming at because, you know, numbers don't lie, right? Well, here are the damn numbers that are just abysmal, guys. On offense, we are last in the SEC in every every offensive category. 14th in quarterback rating. 14th passing offense. 14th yards per pass attempt. Uh, shall I continue? No, I, I think there's going to be a lot of 14s there, yeah. Well, rushing offense, surprisingly, we're second. Can you believe that one? Well, I mean, they were first going into the weekend, so I could, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, you know the old uh, phrase, which I grew up with, your misery loves company? Yes. Well, thank goodness we have company in the offensive categories. And surprisingly, some of these teams, I, I was uh, amazed by. There are, we are the fourth, in fact, we're worse in the offensive category I just mentioned in the SEC. We're, we're the bottom four. Do you know who the other three bottom feeders are offensively? I would assume that Alabama would be one of them. Um, You're very good. Very good. You didn't cheat, did you? No, I did not. I mean, well, I mean, I've just watched the games. They scored 17 on South Florida. That's that's not particularly good. Uh, they, they the did. other two teams. Other two teams. What, what's the – what's the? is it points per game or yards per game? or Just, what? just everything offensively. Just uh, everything offensive efficiency. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it's Georgia. Uh, not just Georgia one of them? 
No. Okay, I was about to say. Uh, a team that's been, you know, highly, people have a... Tennessee? They're going to do great. Tennessee. Okay, yeah. And the other team is Arkansas. Okay, that makes sense. Not Vanderbilt. Yeah. Vandy's uh, <laughs> not played some of the top teams yet, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> Vandy's doing a good job. Well, I mean, they're still not winning, but they, they're at least moving the ball against, uh, against weaker competition. And, you know, I'd love to rely on the defense, but you know, we don't have a lot of depth. A lot of people have been injured, and you can only, you know, play defense without getting worn out for so long. Right. And I agree with Trent. You know, the season going to be a, a, a tight, tight game going to the fourth quarter, or it'll be over at the half. You disagree? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that um, – I, I think the first quarter will be tight no matter what because I, I just would be very disheartened if Georgia went down the field two straight times to start the game uh, with no pushback. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see there, – there's not a lot of room for difference in there. I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that you're either looking at you know, three to four possession game at half, or you're looking at something that that might be able to last to the end there. But you know, it, it involves around a lower scoring game and involves the crowd making a, a making a big impact. Okay, uh, so you know that, that's what I'm going with. You know, I just want to see, and then of course, I'm sure you read. Uh, Free says this. Uh, I guess in today's uh, SEC, I guess uh, coaches conference. Uh, this struck me, guys. I just had to read the con the quote. Stevie there? I, there Stevie, hey, re- says, repeat that quote for us because you cut out yeah, there for about five I'm seconds. I'm sorry. Yeah. He said, we're asked to be psychologists along with being a coach. I feel like there's things our staff has let him down on. Some of it is him that and owes it. But I promised him we'd do a better job coaching him this week and preparing him. And when you say coaching him, that also means the other positions that need to be in the right spots. I said, whoa, whoa. I said, Coach Freeze, and I'd say it to him right now, uh, what is the reason that you're making these promises now and they were made to him at the beginning of the darn season? Where am I? Uh, do you have a difference with my well, uh, outrage here? No, I mean, it's more, it's more about uh, it's more about a public declaration that we're going to do everything we can. It's not that they've not already been doing everything that they can. It's almost like if you don't, if you try to get something done the first time and you don't get it, you're like, dang, well, let me try again. You try again, you still don't get it. And then you get even more frustrating. Like, you know what? I'm going to do my absolute best. I'm going to get this done. It's kind of like that. They've been trying, obviously, to, to do a good job, to coach Peyton Thorne, to get this offense going. That's obviously what they're here to do, but it's not worked. And so it's like, well, let's try again. Didn't work again. So it's like, all right, we are going to get this figured out. This is my job to get this figured out. We're going to get this figured out. So I I would not read anything more into it of someone just everyone being equally frustrated that it's not gone well in the first two Power 5 games and that they're just reaffirming their commitment to we're here to coach you. We're going to get this figured out. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for being me down. Just, I feel like, you know, uh, my Auburn's, you know, football hopes have now been dashed on the rocks of reality. Uh, uh, well, again, I, I understand optically it has wor- looked far worse. 
uh, than, than, than anticipated from an offensive perspective. But again, I don't think that the if you're just looking at records, this is not an unexpected four-game start. And, and this impending losing streak that likely happens is not unexpected either. This still, everyone's expectations fell between six and eight but games. But did you expect, excuse me, but did you, did you expect, actually I sure didn't, that an offensive guru and an offensive, uh, offensive coordinator that was hired would, could only could only come up with three damn points? Sure. No, I absolutely did not expect that. That's Again, that's why I said optically it looks different. But I'm just saying that there is still time, although it might be grim right now, although it might not end up getting there. There is still time to provide that hope that you spoke of earlier, and there is still time to achieve uh, improvement and to get better throughout the year. Again, we're still working with under more than half the year to go, and that will still be true even after this game. So, again, I, I just uh, – forgive me for being maybe more optimistic, if not even about this year than about the future, but it's four games into a tenure – in which there was a lot to fix. So, again, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm not minimizing that it's been a failure thus far, but a failure in four games and really ultimately two Power 5 games, one of which you still won, does not mean to me that the sky is falling. Well, okay. And thank God, you know, he says we're playing Jordan here, but thank God we had two cupcake teams to be 3-1. and one. Well, I get and everyone, but everyone does. I mean, yes, yes, but everyone does. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get out the battle this. Yeah, let's last thing forward. for us, Steve, and then we're about to run out of show here. Okay. Um, I, I saw this. I said, wow, this is uh, incredible. How about the Braves, specifically uh, Mr. Acuna? I see right here that uh, he is two steals away. Is that right? Yes, two steals. Yeah. Yep, from 70. From the first 40 70 season ever. Can't he do it? We'll yeah. try and do it. Uh, he'll try to do it, but he—I know it sounds weird to say—he's got to get on first base with no one in front of him. Like he needs a leadoff walk or a leadoff single uh, to have the opportunity. Because if someone's in front of him, well, unless they do a double steal, he's not stealing. And if he gets on third, say he can't steal, can't steal home, or at least he could try, but it's not going to—it's not going to be as successful as trying to steal second. So some of it's he's got to get the right I know that sounds weird but in such a short amount of time he's got to just be in the right base running situation to be able to do it but but he absolutely can he's just got to be on first and, you know we know these stats but do the players pay attention to these stats do they know what they're shooting for or do they even care oh he's aware uh he's aware yeah he of something historical you I think the whole team would be aware honestly so yeah no he'd be aware okay and finally this can't be uh, uh, understated but a great baseball person and legend Mr. Vacuum Cleaner, otherwise known as Butch Robinson, died yep. at the age of 86. Yeah, very sad. Uh, he's a legend. He was a legend indeed. All right. That's all, guys. Yeah. Hey, thank you very much for giving me the time you allotted me today. And it's very, very much appreciated your back, Ryan. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, we'll try and do this again tomorrow. Warrior guys. Warrior Steve, and certainly appreciate that. That is retired word name Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We, as I just mentioned, about out of time for the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide. It's presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, those Atlanta Braves are back in action. 6-20, Bally Sports South against the Chicago Cubs. Again, the magic number is one, so one more Braves win, and they will control 
home field yeah, in the National yeah, League yeah. playoffs and just a magic number of two from controlling home field throughout the entirety of the playoffs if they were to continue advancing. Six o'clock, women's college volleyball, number four, Florida versus Texas A&M. That one's on ESPNU. Uh, also, number 24, Auburn. They are at number 14, Arkansas, 7 o'clock on SEC Network. Brooks has decided to be a little spicy and put PBA bowling on 7 o'clock oh, on FS1. Nice. Uh, I'd probably get this, probably a no for me, but uh, it's on FS1 if you're curious. And then one movie pick tonight, 6 o'clock, The Avengers on FX. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw. Hard seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Tom, appreciate you being here today and throughout the week, sir. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing you again next week. I plan on being here. Cam Berry, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again on Friday. See you on Friday. That will do it for the show today. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. And we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer and Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us on the program today as well. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night. High School Coaches Show coming up next, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.